Looking for a brand new or used firearm in or around Hartsville, Alabama? Head on down to Byford's Gun Shop and explore their latest offers and deals. On top of a great selection of high quality and affordable firearms to fit your needs, their staff will have you driving away with a smile. Byford's is a third generation business that has been serving customers since 1971. Started by Joe and his father Ernest, the business continues to prosper well into the 21st century with Jeff Byford's knowledge and leadership. With brands like Benelli, Clock, Six Hour, and many others, you won't go wrong. Also check out their large selection of AR-15s and hunting rifles and many calibers. Byford's carries ammunition, special installation service, knives, accessories, transfers, and customer service that's second to none. Stop in and see them at 510 Main Street West in Hartsville, Alabama, or like them on Facebook at Byford's Gun Shop. Their team can be reached at 256-778-3111. That's Byford's Gun Shop, where they go the extra mile to satisfy your shopping experience. Head on over today. They'll be waiting for you with friendly faces. You're listening to the Knives Templars. Get ready, y'all. We about to Bobby Boucher you. Bam! I got a piece off of the wagon that Sam Houston used to take JFK to the moon. Pinto sauce. I like that. Pinto sauce. Pinto sauce. You're tuned in to the Knives Templars podcast. Featuring Odysseer Special Sauce Pinto. I was, I was a mean kid. Long time listener, first time caller. Eric T.R.E. Rivers. Holy crap, I've built something. Don the Train Watson. Never slap a man in the face chewing the bucket. Joey the Ryan Terrier. Conchon de Lick will make you smack your lips. Can anyone get too close to your plate? Luke Beerslinger Berry. I know there's a certain look that I'm trying to go for. And Chip Shagman Carlisle. And now broadcasting alive, it's the Knives Templars. Coming to you live from Four Cow Studios located in Hartsville, Alabama and other U.S. locations, this is the Knives Templars Podcast. We are the coolest knife-making podcast on the planet, and we are downloaded around this big blue marble in over 24 countries. We are on air, on demand, and heard worldwide in all of your favorite apps and at KnivesTemples.com. Hey, uh, welcome to Season 2, Episode 20. Hey, we're not at 100, but that's a milestone. Welcome to the Knives Templars. I'm Chip Carlisle, your host of the best podcast out on the internet. And I say that confidently because we are growing in the search engines and we're standing on our own. I'm here tonight with Odysseer Pinto. Don the Train Watson and Eric Rivers. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Real good. Happy All right. Well, here. we've been out doing our things for the past couple of weeks. We also got a uh, special guest um, from the uh, for the uh, Pops Maker Mark series, and uh, we'll have him on here in just a little bit. But, uh, guys, I tell you what, we're almost a year into this, and uh, our downloads are increasing. I'm getting more feedback, and... Uh, you know, last episode I said, hey, you know, if someone else claims to be the best knife-making podcast out there, well, they probably are because they're all good. Well, I still believe that they're all good, but I tell you what, we bring something special to knife-making, don't we? Hey. Yes, we do. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Let's see if that comes up on somebody else's podcast this week. <laughs> 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 Those guys think they are. Hey, we're just friends right. of all you other guys with podcasts and, and uh, knife making out there. Hey, you want to hear what's on the menu for tonight? 
Been oh, working yeah. on a long menu this week. What you got? This week's menu, we have the brew review. Somebody signed a deal. We signed a deal with getting me a uh, Florida man. Did you know I got a Florida man, Don? Oh, yeah. Oh, Don's got some Florida men. Did you drink one (laughs) of them Florida men? Well, we'll talk about it. I had to buy a four-pack with three other beers and one Florida man, but I found a Florida man. We've got some knife news for you tonight. We've got uh, eating nails and crapping barbed wire with Otisir Pinto. We're going to see what's upside in Otisir this week. It's our new segment. I'm so mad I can eat nails and crap barbed wire. Say that with a uh, a Brazil accent. Nah, man, come on. Can you say it? Can you say it? In, and can you say it in Portuguese? Oh yeah. Let me hear you say eat nails, crap barbed wire. Ai, comer prego e cagar arame farpado. Hmm. It doesn't sound quite as <laughs> southern. <laughs> But we'll but we'll go there. We'll it, go it there. Is, it is. It is. It is. It is. A literal translation: eat, you nails. know, eat nails, scrap barbed wire. There you Comiprego, go. Comi prego, There. Now you say it. It's just I had to think about it. it for a second. I mean, it's been a long time since. It's all in how you say it. We've got the maker's mark, and uh, we have a buddy here. Uh, he's from Florida. He's from Florida. So this is this is called the Florida Man. That's it. That is our episode title. The Florida Man episode. <laughs> we'll see how that goes, uh, and we'll we'll get to him in just a few minutes. But then we've got some neat stuff tonight to talk to you about. We're going to talk about some knife making uh, information. We're going to get onto the forging series, as you know. Uh, if you've been watching out there, Eric Rivers is working on a forging series right now on YouTube, and man, he's got some exciting stuff. And I will tell you, my buddy Otisir has been banging out uh, stolen. Uh, automotive parts from the uh, off of people's cars probably uh politicians right I hope. oh man no he's not stealing parts but he's uh, he's been coming up with some neat metal parts and doing some metal stamping himself or or, or, or metal whacking um and uh, and i'm i'm about to do some so i'm going to listen real intently to what they have to say tonight without further ado i'm drinking my Michelob ultra tonight just to put me in the mood, and that's not much of a mood once you've had a Florida man. I bought a four-pack <laughs> at a store oh, here in Hart- awesome or in Decatur, Decatur, Alabama that had yep had four beers in it, and one of them was a Florida man. I wasn't going to pay the price for two, even though last time we talked about the, what was that, the Funky Buddha? The funky yep. German Buddha? Yeah, that's right. Said I wouldn't drive across the street. I'll drive back to Decatur if I can... If I can get two Florida men in a box. But anyway, hey, the Florida man. I had heard about the Florida man on another uh, podcast, and this sounded like something I just needed to put in my mouth. (laughs) What does Florida man have to say? The world needs heroes, and in our home state of Florida, only a very special hero will do. We've got a hero on here tonight from Tampa, Florida. We're going to get to him in just a minute. He's a Florida man. 
disregard what I said just a few <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> oh, gosh. You got me dying oh, over here. Open That's mouth, awesome. insert <laughs> Florida oh, man. man. <laughs> oh, foot. Uh, a hero who's forgotten more about amateur taxidermy and alligator wrestling than you'll ever know. That's me, baby. That's me. And I'm not even a Florida man, but I've been to Florida. What better way to pay a tribute to the beloved Florida man than with a big old double India pale ale brood with nearly criminal amount of hops. I'm going to tell you, this is a five hops beer. And a moderate bitterness and a moderate bitterness that is just about matches Florida man's general disposition. What is your disposition, Don? Well, I, I had, I had tasted it and it's pretty good beer. I'm not I mean, done yet. You were supposed to oh, give me an oh yeah or whatever you do. Oh, oh yeah. That's Florida man disposition, I believe. <laughs> this hopped up whopper of a beer is big in character and guaranteed to sear itself into your memory. Just like the world's worst superhero. The world's worst superhero. Florida man. That's what it says on their box there, buddy. That's right. I'm going to tell you what I thought and then you fill me in, Don, because undoubtedly you've had a Florida man too. I picked up a pack, driving through Decatur. Told you about that little four-pack. It pours kind of a hazy straw yellow. It's got a nice white head on it. Smells is, smell is floral, fruity. It's tropical. It's got a little papaya, mango, and pine in it. I like a little pine in my beer. Taste follows your nose. Juicy hop, citrus, bitterness. It's just wonderful. Felt kind of hoppy and juicy in my mouth. The alcohol content is hidden. What is the alcohol content on that box there, Don? You be looking at it here. Let me know. 8.5. 8.5. Maybe that's why I like that Florida man so much. Yeah. It leaves you with a refreshed palate and leaves you wanting another. Five yops. Five yops. That's better than hops. Five hops. <laughs> Heck yeah, Florida man. The worst circle. The worst circle hero. The worst superhero. Florida man. Don, what's your take on on Florida man? Well, I um I had one and uh, I I kind of gave up beer eh, a few years back, but um, I tell you what, it was a good taste. You like a citrus taste, a hoppy background on the last swallow, real hoppy, but it was really good, real good smooth beer. Made you feel kind of like you were at Epcot Center riding that. Uh, hand glider uh ride where they actually they spray that citrusy smell and make you feel like you're really cascading over the florida citrus uh trees i'll tell you the truth it was beautiful i really enjoyed it the ride or the beer both oh, i enjoyed that <laughs> ride too hey david hold up your uh, thumb if you've drank a florida man uh-oh, here we go. We're going to bring our special host, and we're not going to talk about anything other than Florida Man, David. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> All Dave, right. David, are you with us? I'm here. Davis. David, fill us in on Florida Man. Oh, it's delicious. I haven't actually had it in quite a while, and I almost, I was this close to getting it tonight. Uh, but sitting right next to it uh, was something I'd never had before, uh, and I ended up grabbing that one. Uh, what are you drinking? What I am are you drinking... drinking the other West Coast Not Florida, man. by Escape Brewing Company. <laughs> uh, it's new to me. Yeah. It's um, by a brewery in Wesley Chapel, Florida, which is just down the road from me. Yep. Uh, so they're local boys. So I thought I'd give them a try, and it is delicious. 
Well, I'm loving these craft beer, small beer brewers, and I've got a fraternity brother in college that got me started on it because he uh, he uh, is the brewmaster for a craft brewery and uh, teaches classes on brewing. So I'm not a connoisseur. I'm just a guy <laughs>, laughs at how they describe their beers, but um, it was good. Uh, Otis here, just for you, the other West Coast is Florida has a West Coast. Oh, I do know that. Did you know that Detroit is slightly north of the Canadian border? Not really, no. It is. Oh, yeah? When I when I lived up in Detroit, I used to make people kind of weird out. They go, well, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Michigan. They go, where? I go, about 20 miles north of the Canadian border, and they'd scratch their heads. The Southerners would because they had to figure out uh, that, that – uh, the bridge crossing's about 20 miles south of Detroit, so you're still crossing over from Michigan, but you're north of the Canadian border where I lived. So there you go. Florida man. David, we're going to have you back in a few moments. Thank you for that, and uh, and you'll have a few minutes. So if you want to run across the street and buy a Florida man, go right on. ahead. We'll be right back. And now, ching, 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 ching. What about knife news? You guys got any Let's knife news? You guys got any knife news? Nothing else going out there? I guess I'm that guy again tonight. (laughs) Knife news. uh, Here we go. You know, we were talking last time about uh, the uh, Ohio and their uh, blade uh, laws changing from city to city. Well, the state next door is just as crazy. Got here that the uh, the uh, Pennsylvania Switchblade Ban Repeal or HB nineteen twenty nine makes it legal now to own and carry automatic knives. So we're talking about the Spring Assist. Uh, who makes those Spring Assist? Come on, guys, help me out here. Like Kershaw's and or, or are you talking about the uh, the ones that no, are they actually, pop straight uh, in and out? Yeah, uh, the front. and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's where it's coming because they were calling those Switchblades. Um, yeah. OTS. But now it's going to make it legal anyway, and it goes into effect January 2nd. As we stand right now, the only legally acceptable reason for owning an automatic knife is to have it as a curio. Now, that's not something you put on burgers, is it? A sauce? I don't think it is. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the name of that sauce last episode? I couldn't remember. Oh, uh, it started with an A. Aioli? Aeoli, Aeoli, because I kept—I was listening to the episode and I kept going a PG or a Pukala or something like that, and and y'all are saying it over and over, and I just wasn't listening. An Aeoli sauce, but I think it's to have it as a curio, which means you might keep it in a curio cabinet or on display. And of course, you can't carry it; it's prohibited. So, according to but official you can knife own rights, one. you can own one. You just can't get it to your house. Uh, according to the official knife rights press release, HB one twenty nine's journey wasn't a sure thing until pinned touched the paper with some unexpected issues nearly scuppering the entire project at the 11th hour, says Knife Rights founder Doug Ritter. Thank you, Doug Ritter. What a man. He said, I would like to thank all who emailed their legislators to support Knife Rights' efforts on HB 129 that worked diligently with our friends in the House and Senate to get HB 1929 bipartisan support resulting in votes of 202 to 1. That was pretty good. Pretty People, good. I mean, that, that, that's good. bipartisan. That's what we want to see in this country, in the House. Yep. And 50 to 0 in the Senate. 
You never hear of that today. No. Why is this? This is a bigger success story than Ohio, is it not? Because Ohio was just split. I am especially appreciative of the Governor Wolf of Governor Wolf for signing this bipartisan bill in, to advance freedom and criminal justice reform in Pennsylvania. This repeal is the culmination of ten years of knife right efforts by this gentleman in Pennsylvania. So this release also brings up another important point, which is the work is not done in Pennsylvania. Specifically, there is no knife law preemption in place, which means the local ordinances can still override state law. Uh-oh, there goes the Ohio thing. Mm-hmm. Making it illegal to carry automatic knives within their jurisdiction. Sounds like the old Ohio before September, you know. And I tell you what, the, why that um, why that really gets to me is because, you know, well, you're going to say it. We got the right to carry those things, do we not? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. Right. Absolutely no sense that you cannot carry almost any specific type of knife. If the if the fact that you can carry a firearm in some of these states, but you can't carry a specific knife, that is nuts. And for one, yeah. nothing makes an OTF or an out the front knife more dangerous than a fixed blade or a regular no. pocket knife. There are or a, or a flip knife <laughs> that you can just flip it open. Yeah, correct. You know, yeah, and uh, you know it, it, it's crazy. And it's like I've said before: if you go in and read the police sheets, uh, you're not seeing um, these types of knives that they're that they're nope. saying. Uh, you know, switchblade type knife or hunting knife or this, that, and the other outperform out performing are being used to perform these. Uh, or attacks and, and murders and things like that. Um, it's steak knives and butcher knives. Yeah. That's what people grab. Right. Kitchen knives, yeah. Well, an yeah. OTF you, knife is not an efficient knife for trying to harm somebody. A lot of them have safety features built into them to keep you right. from accidentally stabbing yourself. And those safety features will kick in if you're trying to stab somebody else with it. <laughs> and yeah. most of those blades are tiny. Like they're really short blades because they have to fit inside. You hear the that, handle. Otis? Here, tiny blades. So this way, I don't it, have it's, one. It's crazy, <laughs> absolutely crazy. You can carry like a Bowie knife, yeah, because yeah. you have to fit the blade. Uh, David is holding up one right now. You got to fit the blade inside that knife, so the blade itself is really small. And they do have safety features to where if you tried to open it up with the actual uh, by clicking it open, if your hand was in front of it. It would actually stop the knife before it came all the way out. So you're not. So no fear of becoming <laughs> a eunuch. <laughs> Correct. And uh, as long as you engage the safety. Like the least dangerous knife out of like all knives. It's ridiculous. There's probably butter knives that are worse than that. Yeah, yeah. Everything you know, think is like the uh, kind of the uh, uh, Jedi lightsaber. You know, you poke a button and it just goes through whatever <laughs> yeah, is in front of through it. Through whatever. Yeah. And I do want to say this. I mean, we sit and we talk about we're proponents for knives. We make knives. We we love them, um, and uh, we love the art of it. But you know, I don't want to. I wrote this or, or found this story and put it into the show notes for this week, um, right after last show, so two weeks ago. And of course, last weekend we had a very serious uh, assault take place that resulted in the death of uh, four young individuals. You know that should not have have left Wait. this earth uh, over was it in Idaho I believe, and um, you know that's the act of a deranged individual not knowing what type of knife they were used or anything else. You know we're totally against knife violence or violence in any sort, whether it's hands, bare knuckles, or uh, or brass knuckles, knives, guns, um, 
you know, yeah. whatever. Um, that's not what we're about, but we are about the right to carry. And I think that we just need to continue to support that. So here's the deal. We're, we are against violence in general, uh, but I'd be against potato violence. I'd be against chair violence. I'd be against headlight violence. I'd be against computer violence. It's the violence act that we're against. Oh yeah. The, 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 what they choose to do is whatever is convenient for them at that moment. And of course, you know, sometimes they use things that we make, you know, well, it's interesting you say that because I had, I had a uh, cousin that shot me with a potato gun back in the mid eighties. <laughs> uh, <laughs> could you, could you call him and let him have it for me? Cause I, I was rather young and <laughs> hurt. I cried. Um, yeah. Oh, potato big guns can't, yeah. Mm-hmm. Potato guns can't, can, can bruise you, but that's just boys being rednecks. Um, been there, done that. Been there, done that. <laughs> What'd you say? When you were I a kid, a shooter, though. I was a bad kid. I think that's what I've heard you say before. Yeah. <laughs> I was a shooter. <laughs> you were a bad kid. So here's another one. Oregon's, Oregon, Oregon, uh, their permit to buy deadline is coming up. Gun sales are literally going to shut down in a couple weeks because you got to have a permit to buy. And all that's still tied up in the legislation. So if you are a person from Oregon, not only will you pr- be prohibited from buying a gun in your state unless they get this thing worked out, you can't go to another state and buy a gun. Now, you may be able to buy a hunting rifle or something like that and transport it back. I'm not sure of their state laws, but uh, just more craziness. And the only thing that I have to say about all that is I believe in a balance of power. And uh, I'm not, and I say I don't get political. I know these are political statements, but I'm very glad there's a balance of power, so to speak, between Congress and the Senate right now. And uh, I know this is a state law, but hopefully uh, we won't see the federal government getting into uh, trying to sway it one way or the other um, without having a balance of power to make the decision. Because we know this, this again, gets into the. Um, Get, gets into our rights. Uh, ultimately, I'm quite tickled because uh, I'm not sure about Florida. I think Texas, you are. Aren't you constitutional carry, Eric? Uh, yes. Yeah, and yeah, we will be January carry. 23rd. What about you down in there in Florida, Donner? You know, I don't think so yet. I mean, yeah. David might be able to tell us this. We're not yet. David shaking his head no, but uh, yeah, not yet. But uh, And, of course, every, every state with the exception – uh, over here on this side of the country, every state except the exception of of Saint, uh, South Carolina uh, is the only one that, that kind of drives me crazy with their laws because unless you're from South Carolina or if you're from Alabama, you, you can't go to South Carolina uh, carrying any type of concealed weapon because of the um, laws that they have there. So anyway, anyway, talked about Congress. Well, we'll see how they go. You know, there's a balance <laughs> of power coming up and uh, – Let's hope that uh, we see some things sway a little bit more towards middle. I think you don't need to be too far right and too far left. I just like to see things sway a little bit towards middle. So that's all we got in the knife news. You guys got anything to add? Nothing else going on in your lives? No, most of the stuff that, yeah, knife related for me will happen whenever I talk about other stuff. uh, Did you see that? Did you see that? I one thing to say. I don't know if it's a news, news, news thing. Nothing in the news per se. But um, that um, um, lion killer. The makes lion. A hey, really, that's good news. Yeah, makes makes a really good uh, anus knife. 
Yeah, y'all heard did, that. Were, right. did, were you constipated? Were you constipated? <laughs> no, no. You know, uh, remember that guy that asked uh, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Yes, but we're not going to admit it knife. right now. We're going to see how far we can take this down that road. <laughs> so that lion killer makes a good uh, anus knife. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's called that's called that's called that's called the Gaddafi. Okay. You're probably too young really to remember that. Good removing the uh, the rectum and stuff after mm. your deer is down. You know. Have you done this with a yeah. with a lion killer? Oh, you've you've, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've taken a deer. Yeah. You've already taken a deer this year. I'm on my second. Oh well, congratulations on that. Yeah. yeah. Did you you say you killed the fawn and its mother? Yeah. All right. All right. Bambi and okay. So <laughs> talking about a deer. So this isn't. I wouldn't say this is so much knife news, but this is something that I found out today, and I don't know how I never knew this. Um, that and this is probably how you would do it in most states. I don't know, uh, but I was driving down the highway. And uh, there were two deer dead on the side of the highway, just missing their heads. And at first I was suicide. like, did, did these deers get decapitated by vehicles? I've never seen that. Typically, you know, they, they withstand a lot, but what the heck? And I was talking to one of my coworkers and they were like, yeah, all you got to do is call the game warden and uh, they'll let you take off the, the head yeah. and then they'll come pick up the body sometime later. Uh, but you can go ahead and take the head as long as you call the game warden. So someone was literally on the side of the road chopping a deer's head off <laughs> just to put it in the back of That's their right. truck oh, and yeah. drive off. I will tell you. I will tell you why. I'll tell you why. Um, this isn't. Hey, we 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 we've left knife news. Now we're going on to public access uh, TV type stuff. Um, the. <laughs> Um, I just paid $130 for a rack and a skull. What do you call the rack and the skull together? The rack and the skull? Yeah. Okay. I just paid 130 bucks Amount? Amount uh, for a rack and a skull. It's an eight point. Scored like 212. Um, and um, I am uh, making a lamp out of it. So I'm going to take a piece of black steel the size of a barrel. I'm going to sand it down. And then I'm going to blue it. Uh, and then I'm going to put that into a, I'm looking for a piece of cedar oak right now into a base and, uh, I'm going to draw, drill a perfect circle on that. Uh, Otis here, you probably know where that back little dimple is up back behind where the antlers go in. It's where a nerve mm -hmm. goes into the skull mm -hmm. or comes out of the, out into the, the head of the deer. <clears throat> anyway, I'm going to drill in right there and then I'm going to mount that on there. So it'll, it'll be a, a skull mount with a barrel coming out of it that goes up into a lamp and they look very tasteful when they're done. I'll end up uh, taking the, um, uh, deer skull and, uh, spraying it with a stabilizer and a, um, uh, kind of almost like an epoxy. Uh, and I have to turn it till it sets. I've got something to do that with. So I'm going to turn it into a lamp. So, I can tell you there's probably people out there collecting these because if they take the head, all they got to do is boil it and they can stick it on eBay and pay a you know, charge whatever they can get for it. Cause there's a lot of guys out there selling them. Yeah. I yeah. just, you know, I'm, I'm so used that if, if you, uh, you know, kill a deer, you, you, you do all of this stuff, but I'm just not used to people just taking the heads off of them as they are laying on the side of the road. For yeah. Some I've weird seen plenty reason. here in Maryland. Plenty. I've seen plenty here in Maryland. As a matter of fact, I have to say, I've done it once. 
Wow. I saw this beautiful six-pointer that had been um, killed by a uh, by a car on the side of the, of the road next to the shop. I went there with my knife and off goes the head. Did you use your lion killer to take the anus of it too? No, no, it was way before the <laughs> lion killer. <laughs> but you were like, if I had just the right knife, I could... No, yeah. no, no, no. I mean, you, you wouldn't remove the anus unless you're going to process the meat. And I don't know. No you know, no I way. didn't kill it. And probably the meat is already... I didn't kill it. I'm not taking that anus. Well, That's the how they make the sausage. It, so. I thought they make the sausage with the, the intestine. Yeah, but you know, it's got to be a fresh kill. Gotcha. This, this episode is going to be absolutely hilarious to listen to. Hilarious. I cannot wait. I'm going to yeah. laugh so hard listening to this whole entire thing. I hope that the the people who are listening to this are just enjoying this. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You know uh, yeah, boy. We'll see. <laughs> so uh, are you going to come out with your own brand of anus knives and just call it the anus killer or something like that? or? I should. Yeah, Otisir's anus killer. Hey, somebody came out with something called the butt out, okay? Yeah. I tried it. They did, yeah, and just so everybody knows, there's a knife called the butt out, just so you know. So there is no, an actual no, no. anus there, there's knife. There's an implement called the butt out. I've never yeah. seen a knife. Oh, that's right. It's like an apple core. Yeah, like a, like a cork uh, like yeah. a, a cork puller. Yeah. You stick it in, you twist it a couple of times, and pop it out. I'm going to yeah. need y'all to stop trying to give me these mental images. I don't need the, the explanation. Just go on YouTube. <laughs> Just go on YouTube and click butt out. Butt out. <laughs> I'm, I'm not typing that into about? anything. Not, like yeah, I don't need the Looks FBI like saying puller. this guy was looking Looks for like butt a out. Puller. You push it in, twist it a couple of times counterclockwise, I think. <laughs> and then you pull up. Out comes the whole thing. Yeah. And then you finish doing the gut in normal and you're good to go. Clean and clean and clean. Smooth as silk. So, like, if somebody goes squirrel hunting, uh, the, that lion killer is probably big. Do you think that my um, my uh, skookum niblet would be good for uh, butt out on a squirrel? Oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. See? There you yeah. go. You can't criticize that knife anymore. We found Actually, the guy who bought that little knife is uh, an Appalachian trail hiker, and he specifically wanted something about that size. It's the cutest little thing. Uh, I, I told him, I said, I said that, you know, that, that will not kill a moose if you walk up on one accidentally. He goes, oh, I know where to poke him. So <laughs> maybe, he's already, maybe he's already got a butt out. I don't know. <laughs> and he'll just use that to clean it with, so. Did you uh, anyway. did you set that up as a pocket knife? Because it looked like it would have been perfect for like a well, just like a nice little pocket uh, setup. I'm going to tell you what I'm making one as a pocket knife for myself right now. Uh, I've got a piece of with steel and I've got it drawn on there is all I've got right now. But it was so cool because when I just slid it in my pocket, it was like carrying a case knife in your pocket. Yeah. But the way it, the, that little that little sheath for it has that D ring on it, so he can clip it onto his pack. Yeah, so, I, I was or, wondering or he wants what to put that it was in for. A neck knife. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he didn't want perfect. any. T- no type of sheath or anything. He wanted to put it in one of his pack pockets or clip it on the D-ring onto one of the D-ring clips or be able to clip it onto a lanyard just to clip around his neck as a neck knife. And I'm like, eh, this is pretty cool. So, yep. um, Chip, how long is that knife? About six six inches? No, no, no. It was shorter than that. It was four, just like four, four and a quarter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and when I go backpacking, unlike Otisir, who, who, who takes the arsenal of, of blades, <laughs> 
I typically will take, you know, like an, an old, you know what an old timer looks like? Oh, yeah. I got one. Uh-huh. Yeah, let, 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 let me yeah, tell here. you something about going out into the wild. Well, well, let me say this. Carry me, a knife. Everybody yeah. knows what an old timer is. Um, oh, yeah. That's perfect knife. That's a perfect knife for taking into the forest. So yep. there you go. I disagree. That's okay. Well, the, the, and that and that that right there takes us into this week's episode of eating nails and crapping barbed wire <laughs> with Odysseer Pinto. Lead us off, Odysseer. Hey, why me? You said you disagree. You must be eating nails, baby. Later <laughs> done. <laughs> no, 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 no. You see, uh, I like I said before, several times, I rather have. A good sizable knife. It doesn't have to be a 15-inch chopper, right? But something that is sizable. And I've I've been getting into this um, seven-incher blades now. I really like making those seven-inch blade. Uh, that seems to be uh, working pretty well for me right now. And uh, like I said before, anything a large knife will do. Yeah. I mean, anything a small knife can do, a large knife can do. But not all that a large knife can do, a small knife can. Okay? But so not I'd all rather things have that a large one, knife... If I only carry one knife, it's going to be at least a 7-inch blade now. I downsized it, remember? I used to make them big old 10-inch <laughs> blades. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I brought it down to 7, right? Yeah. More manageable, a little bit lighter, easier to put it in the pack. What's your overall? Um, because I know... That knife is going to do everything that a little old timer can. So but you're that old timer cannot do everything that my knife can. Pretty a sure. large knife can't do everything a small knife can do. Oh yes, it can. Oh really? Oh yeah. Say something. Tell me something that a small knife can do that, a, let's say, a seven-inch blade can't. Um, besides being small. Besides being small. <laughs> um, Fit in your less, pocket. Fit in your pocket. Thank you. Okay, well, okay, I'll give you that one. What else? <laughs> Keep them coming. <laughs> um, reach it into an extremely tight place so that you can uh, cut a string. Hey, the sharp is narrow enough. It'll fit. Um, okay. Uh, how uh, about... Look, 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 look. With a seven-inch blade, I can chop. I can skin. I can cut, I can scrape, I can do a ferro rod, I can even baton. You don't like that, but I can even baton with a 7-inch blade. A little itty-bitty old-timer knife. You, you can skin, you can cut, but you can't chop. You cannot, for sure, you cannot baton with that thing, even yeah. if you wanted, right? So it's, it's, limited. it's limited. I will give you and that. I will if tell I, you this right yeah. now. I will go buck naked before I lose my knife. Okay, <laughs> but nobody—you don't have to worry about anybody attacking you running around butt naked. Trust well, me. you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I would lose everything. I would drop everything before I drop a knife. You know the, the Let me tell you this: if you ever do lose your knife in the forest, I have a you, second one. And you go buck naked. <laughs> if somebody walks up to you and you feel threatened, just look at them real cry, kind of crazy, and go. Look up at the sky and go, thank you, Lord, for this meal I'm about to eat. They won't mess with you. <laughs> I mean, Trust me, they'll run off. <laughs> just introduce them to your anus knife. 
and smile real pretty. <laughs> Maybe do a little song and dance. Uh, Have a little banjo playing on the side. I feel pretty. I feel don't, pretty. Don't, 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 Here don't. is my heinous knife. Got a deer? No, um, no, no. No, all, all in good fun, you know. Uh, every knife has its place, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. A small knife like that, I would probably use as a daily carry. Uh, right now, as a matter of fact, my daily carry now, just as a, an experiment, I'm carrying every day on my belt the Lion Killer. And you know the size of that blade. I mean, the whole thing, I think, is what, the 10 inches tip to... 10 and a quarter. The, yeah, 10 and a quarter. So, I'm so um, the, what, kind of handle you, what kind of handle did you put on that? I have a black G10. Black G10? Because I'm telling yeah. you what, if you had gone out to knife-wood.com, did you know that Oleg has opened up a uh, warehouse here in the United States of America in Philadelphia? We're at knife-wood. Yeah, a couple Wood. hours from me, two hours yeah, from me. We're at knife-wood.com. Uh, he can fill those orders and get them to your house almost instantly. Otisir makes some of the best, best, best stabilized wood blocks out there and some of the most beautiful Combinations of colors, natural Did colors, you say whatever. What's that? Did you say Odysseus? <laughs> Oleg. 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 Oleg Bashkovic. Yeah. So Oleg, not Odysseus. Odysseus out running around naked in the forest with his anus knife. Um, <laughs> but if you, while you're out there, if you come up with some wood and send it to Oleg, I'm sure he can choose turn it into magical pieces. So hey guys. Head out to knife-wood.com. All joking aside, this guy makes some of the most beautiful wood blocks together. I've got a few blocks in the mail coming to me right now and uh, happily paid for. I am not a paid endorser on that. I am buying his products because they are good. That's knife-wood.com. Uh, he just released What's 200 Yeah, he just blocks. released 200 blocks. Yeah, go out and take a look. Yeah, yep. Where at? Where should we go see those? Knife-wood.com. Knife-wood.com. Yeah, but what's his address? knife-wood.com there you go head to knife-wood.com there you go so uh are, are, have you passed all the bob wire now you feeling good yeah because <laughs> i'm i'm telling you what here i am thinking that i mean i have talk a thing about something yeah go ahead oh he got some barbed wire too. go ahead <laughs> oh. uh okay so um <laughs> so with mine uh i am I, i'm at a point right now to where again um i, I i've you know I, i've been filming youtube videos for a really long time and uh I, i've had a i've had people comment on a lot of different videos and a lot of different things like that and you know i've talked about this before with the whole uh you know you, you don't have to forge a knife in order to uh, consider yourself a knife maker that stock removal is is just fine um i am going to further that just a little bit and i'm going to tell people that if you see somebody hand filing a knife uh like hand filing the bevels hand filing mm. the profile doing all that stuff uh, they are doing more work than a lot of knife makers. So for the people who yeah. think that someone well, yeah. doing a, a knife by file because they're not using a two by 72 or they're not forging and they say that they're less of a knife maker than someone who does stock removal or forging, those people are crazy. Absolutely not. And, and yeah, they've watched they too are. much forged in fire. 
Exactly. Absolutely. So here, here, here you go. Not. My response or my rebuttal to that is, you want a grinder, you want my grinder, you want to use, you want to use my <laughs> forge, you want to gr- Oh, you can't afford it. You can't afford it. Your parents are on the welfare. You can't afford it. They're on the welfare. Here, try my grinder. Psych. You're on the welfare. You remember that? (laughs) It was an old ice cream thing from an Eddie Murphy episode. But yes, anybody that's got the patience to sit with a file and do that. Yeah. Yeah, It takes so much work. And, you know, I see people do this and I see them make it and you know they made their own file uh jig they made all the stuff to do this and they they take the time to to file these things out by hand and then someone comes on there some armchair warrior comes on there and is like you're not a knife maker you didn't forge that thing where's your equipment and it's just like dude just go away <laughs> because that, but, that but, person spent way more time than the average knife maker making that knife but I can tell you this, the world is full of people that are professional trolls. The world of pe- is full of people that are occasional yeah. trolls. The occasional trolls are the ones that are nice to you if they know you, nice to you if they see you and have a, opinions. And that there's no accountability on the Internet, and that's the only reason people can say those things. And there's typically something missing in their own lives that, that brings some brightness or love or sunshine or whatever it is they're missing. Um that they lash out at other people. And unfortunately, some people are susceptible to that, and it'll make them feel bad. But for the most part, um, I don't know if it's a loss of testosterone at my age, but things like that just don't bother me anymore. <laughs> hey, hey, David's over there laughing. He's in the military. I'm like, dude, I can still fight, and I can bite. I can fight dirty. I will I will bite your nose off in a fight, but, uh, but I'll feel bad afterwards because I don't have the <laughs> testosterone to really want to stomp you out. So... Um, you're right, Eric. You're right. Knife making has many different levels, and uh, being the sole authority, because being a member of the uh, Ukrainian uh, and Belarusian knife makers, uh, that was another job I had, and, and we basically <laughs> classified different types of knife makers. And just so you know, file knives were were actually a, a well thought of category because nobody over in Belarus or Ukraine back in the day could afford the equipment to do it. We all did that with. Uh, with files. Oh, yeah. <laughs> files that we carved out of pine trees, too, at that. So, just so Old you know. pine tree files. No, all, you know, all joking aside, um, there's yeah, always going to be people out there with negative comments. There's going to be some people out there tonight that go, that idiot yeah. drinks Florida, man. What an idiot. I don't care. It's good to have a Florida, man. Yeah, yeah. always. Yeah. Uh... Speaking of Florida, man, what's David doing? Well, that takes us to our next spot. So, hey, let's take a second, listen to our buddies over there at Pops Knife Supply. Yeah. Pops Knife Supply was started 40 years ago and is owned by four professional knife makers. Andy Roy of Fiddleback Forge, Alan Searles of W.A. Searles Knives, Joey Berry of J.B. Knife Works, and Dirk Lutz of Dirk Lutz Knives. Make a great team of owners carrying on the traditions and business started by James Poplin. Over four decades in business is a testament to the best customer service with same-day shipping on weekdays. Pops only charges actual shipping and any shipping differences are refunded on your orders. Everything you need to make knives from grinding, steel, pin stock, heat treating, and more can be found at Pops. 
visit them at popsknife.supplies. And now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. I bet David pointing in his ear there means he can hear us now. Absolutely. How you doing, gentlemen? Hey, another Florida man. Another Florida man. Florida man. David is with us as part of the Pops Knife Supply Makers, Mark. And I tell you what, guys, um, it just keeps getting better and better. Every time we have somebody on here, not that they're a better knife maker, I am exposed and develop a friendship. Uh, I will be, uh, you'll be giving me your, uh, your home phone number down there, David, just so you know, because um, I, uh, I do like to outsource a lot of things and get my name put on them. And all kidding aside, uh, I'm being serious. No, uh, go ahead and get the, go ahead and get your, um, what is that order that keeps me within 50 yards of your house? Go ahead and do that. Now. That's fine. I can go ahead and tell you. Don did it, and, 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 and yeah, didn't have any problems. David, welcome to the show. How are you I'm tonight? doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, and you're, how long have you been making knives? Uh, I've been making knives since 2017. So what year is it? So about five years now. Wow. Yeah, well, I, I uh, would have thought you'd been making them a lot longer because you've got some gorgeous blades. Uh, the, uh, Thank you. Do you have a uh, do you have a shop set up uh, at home or how are you doing this? Because I know you said you're in the uh, military. Uh, thank you for that. Right, right. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 set up in my garage right now. Um, at the moment, I've kind of got like a like a portable grinding table that I uh, I drag out to the uh, driveway, and that's where I do all my grinding. So I don't get a bunch of metal dust in the garage and whatnot. Uh, that's what I was dealing with at my last. Uh, my last place where I started up in right. Massachusetts and it was, uh, when we moved out, it was nasty. So that, <laughs> I, I, I prefer not to ever have to clean that up again. So, yeah, I know I, uh, I have to take everything out of my garage about once every six months and simple green the floor down and wash it out with a hose and, and get it out. So I, I definitely know exactly how you feel about that. Uh, so how did you find out about us over here at, uh, the Templars? Well, actually, um, I found out about you guys from uh, Mr. Don Watson. Uh, we started following each other on Instagram, um, and that's that's mostly where I keep in touch with the the knife making community, uh, as it were. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's pretty much where it's strongest on uh, on Instagram, maybe Facebook. Uh, but what's your Instagram? Uh, at Meek Custom Knives? M E E K Custom Knives. Uh, so, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Watson and myself started following each other and I, you know, I, uh, start looking at his page, looking at his knives, like, oh, these are pretty, these are, these are nice looking knives. And, uh, Thank you. lo and behold, I get a call <clears throat> from Don and come to find out he's, he's been making, he's been making knives less time than I have. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy is incredible. He is. The man. Well, let me ask you quick. this: If if Don, would you let him wear the uh, Clint Eastwood wooden hat if he came over? <laughs> oh yeah, I'll let him wear it. Has, he probably hasn't seen it, but Don, Don, does he know that you've got a pool? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. You got, have you got a, Have you got a bug screen around that pool? No, I do not. We're from Florida. Uh. <laughs> they don't need one here in Florida. <laughs> Hey David, 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 do you have a pool, I got, David? I got a bug screen around my pool, y'all. Yeah. Oh, you've <laughs> already got a pool. Crap. Down, right? 
Oh well, Don, you can't hold that. You can't hold that over our head now. We'll vote no, him into being a knife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna vote him into being a knives temper tonight. And your pool means nothing us and for us Yankees. You know, I'm from Alabama. Uh, we can uh, we can go hang out in his bug ring. Yeah, as long as I get one of those cool shirts, I'm down. <laughs> that's for sure now which shirt is that is that the uh the don the train watson shirt or is that the uh what shirt oh, well i was looking about? at the one odyssey was wearing but if there's a don the train watson i'm 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 ready let's go <laughs> <laughs> odyssey you do have a pretty sweet shirt there i like how you uh, sport the do, uh, knives templar podcast yeah, well are, have you ever been to uh blade show i have not i've, I've actually only done one show uh, and that was pretty recently this past summer at the, uh, um, it was a Florida gun shows. It was put on by, uh, um, a, you know, a company called Florida gun shows. Uh, and they do a, they do a yeah. yearly tour, uh, around the state. Uh, and then I did the, the Tampa one and that was just sort of kind of, you know, I'd never done a show before. So it was kind of just to get my feet wet, uh, dip my toes in as a word and see what it was like, see what kind of interest I got. And I had a I had a blast. I had a lot of fun. What? Uh, did, how'd you how'd your knives do? Uh, I sold three, and uh, so I set. You know, I I, I made about twenty two blades uh, of various models and sizes. Um, so All I right. kind of set myself a, a arbitrary goal, not knowing what I was getting into. I said I was gonna okay. Let's see if I can sell five. You know, I want to sell five. Um, and, you know, again, like I said, didn't know what I was getting into, didn't know the environment, didn't know what kind of interest I would get. So selling three, I was happy with. Um, so, oh, I would have been tickled yeah. with that. So yeah. what, styles were, what style were the three that you sold? So the first two that I sold was actually one, one guy who bought, um, unfortunately, I don't have it with me right now, but I, I uh, he bought my mom and dog model which is uh, my largest outdoor model. It's a, um, more of a camp knife, bushcraft style knife. Um, we bought two of those, one in stainless and the other in Alabama, Damascus. And So you're, uh, you, you've got an even heat, or what are you using to heat your steel? I'm using even heat now. I used to use a, uh, a propane forge, which is, I, I keep it just in case. Uh, yeah. You know, but... You know, the, the even heat is, is so, so easy to use. You're not forging your knives? I'm not. No, I'm saying? stock removal. Yes, sir. And you call yourself a knife maker? Can you I, know, that, I know. I know. The gall. <laughs> the gall. How dare you with your stock removal? <laughs> the audacity. I, I, uh, I uh, checked out your Instagram page uh, uh, yesterday and again today. And uh, you would never think you've been making knives only five years. You've uh, uh, got an extreme. It takes. I find that people with a good mechanical aptitude with a little artistic flair. Uh, it's amazing uh, how that that transposes into what they make. And I think what you do for your day job. I don't know your day job, but have an idea. Um, it probably has a. You have to pay a lot of attention to detail and the fine things. Absolutely. Um, you yeah. you are on a. Are you on a flight crew? I- I'm not. I'm not on a flight crew. I'm. I'm ground crew. So I, I'm. I'm in the Air Force. And I, I'm. I'm a jet engine mechanic for. Um, currently for the KC-135, uh, Strata tanker. Uh-huh. So that's a refueling aircraft, yeah. down yes, in uh, McDill Air Force Base. 
and uh, it's it's a it's it's an old jet. It's it's uh, does it, the job it, it, exactly. It gets the job done. It'll make a maintainer out of you. Yeah. The um, but yeah, attention to detail, I guess, is what I'm getting sure. at because all of that uh, takes a lot. My dad is uh, still stationed at. Uh, at Dover Air Force Base, he's 85 and doesn't realize he lives uh, five miles from Dover Air Force Base, but uh, he can still get into the commissary. Commissary, so he's. Uh, uh, I enjoy oh, yeah. going C- over there. Uh, they have uh, C5s there. I used to work C5s. Yeah, they they come over his house yeah. about every five minutes when yeah. it's busy. Old, old Fred. It's, it's quite yeah, the noise. Fred. Quite the noise. Quite the noise. So, uh, how did you get started knife making? If I. Uh, well, I was I was stationed in Turkey back in. I got there in uh, 2015. I was there from 2015 to 2017, uh, and about halfway through, things were getting kind of hairy. So I sent my wife home. <clears throat> um, I didn't feel terribly comfortable with her being there, so I sent her home. So it was just me and the dog, uh, and we finished out our tour there. So I had a lot of time on my hands. We're playing a lot of golf, uh, working out a lot. So I'm uh, sitting around one day watching YouTube and somehow the algorithm hands me a knife making video. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, yeah. this is interesting. I'll watch it. And it was like a 15, 20 minute video. And before I knew it, I woke up from my blackout and it was like six hours later and I'd been watching, yeah. you know, five, six <laughs> hours of knife making videos from so it was ingrained oh, in your yeah. mind while so, you were so i woke up cross-eyed and making notes on tools i need to get and you know this and that and the other and i call the wife and i say hey babe uh, i think uh i think i'm gonna get into knife making and i heard this silence <laughs> <laughs> what about your other hobby what are you gonna do with all that yeah, that's well, what i hear yeah she was like she's like uh okay cool all right whatever so you know uh once i got back to the states in uh early 2017 you know i started amassing uh because i I wasn't terribly sure if i was going to commit to it so i started buying uh buying the cheap versions of these tools you know i bought a cheap one by 30 that's how we started my friend we all get we all start there uh so i bought a cheap one by 30 you know a few files um you know this that and the other and went to town and, you know, made a couple of prison shanks and, um, <clears throat> but, but if you ever do end up in Leavenworth, you've got a great, great I'm side set. gig. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully I won't have to make an anus knife, but, uh, <laughs> 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 but either way, um, <laughs> oh, but yeah, so I, you know, I would I would post them on Instagram, and then you know, eventually, an old childhood friend's younger brother hits me up on Instagram and says, "Hey, hunting season's coming up. Can you make me a knife? I'll pay you for it. I'll even pay you for it." I'm like, "Oh, shoot, okay." Um, so we talked for a while and made him a knife, and bada bing, bada boom, the rest is history. Um, and. You know, I kind of built on that, on that model, and then uh, improved it over the years, and uh, until it became completely different <laughs> than than what it looks like yeah. now, which is fine. Uh, it just means you're improving. So, uh, 
that's the yeah. best part to be able to, you know, I remember when I made my very first knife and there was a knife maker that looked at it and he was critiquing it and I could just feel my soul <laughs> slipping out of yeah. my, yeah. Uh, yeah. slipping out of my yeah. toes. You feel the and, blood rushing your head. And, yeah. Yeah. His name is Lane and I, I actually sat and talked to him a few weeks back. I'm going to have him on the show one sometime. Great knife maker. Um, but he, uh, I told him, I said, you know, I went back and looked at that knife two years later, and you were exactly right on everything you yeah, said. Yeah. It was, and, and you look at it now, it's like, it's a cool knife. It was my first knife. But it's like, I don't think I would have showed that to my mother and said, look what I made, Mom. Yeah. Because <laughs> she loves everything, but she probably would have said, that's eh, not an ugly knife. That's an yeah, ugly knife. <laughs> as a matter of fact, a few years later, uh, once I pretty much solidified the the sort of basic hunting knife model that, that, that I, I – that it turned into i ended up uh making a pretty uh a really pretty one and sent it to him the the guy that uh-huh. you know i just sent it to him you know didn't even tell him i was sending it to him i was like hey man you know you bought the first knife i ever made the first real knife i ever made you know um and i mean let's be real it wasn't it wasn't as good as it is now uh, I feel like you deserve this, you know, my first real customer. So I just sent that to him. Um, you know, he was definitely grateful for that. And so, yeah. But you know, it's important if you've got a good knife makers, first series of knives, especially number one, that, that's quite a collector piece to have, you know, especially, and you know, you know, we may never become big names in knife making or whatever, but just to have a good knife makers, very first knife or first series yeah, sure, of absolutely. knives. Is really yeah. cool. It's interesting you say that because I have a guy in Norway that I sent my first knife to, and he loved it. Had a Scandinavian grind, and I didn't even know what a Scandinavian grind was. That's just like that's just as far as I wanted to go up. I was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looked kind of like a knife yeah. at that point. And um, but I'm actually preparing a knife for him uh, that I'm going to send him for the very same reason. Even though I gifted the first one, um, I just want to thank him for getting me there because he's the person that kicked me off so i I can see that That, that's really nice that you you took that time to do that because not all knives need to be sold yeah yeah absolutely i I totally agree yeah i know eric rivers is talking about that too he he, uh he maybe (laughs) maybe his is a little bit of jealousy or 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 emotional connection don't want to get rid of that sax (laughs) yeah no Every knife, every knife Eric makes, he goes into his wife and he goes, "I think I'm gonna look at this. I think I'm gonna keep this one." She just shakes her head and says, "All right." She puts it over there in the box with the other ones. The hard part. The hard part. Remember Fred Sam? You guys are maybe Don may be old enough. You off? (laughs) Do I have the the weird lag going on right now? No, it's okay. Go right ahead. I'll cut it out. (laughs) So uh, with me. Being a uh, knife collector before I became a knife maker, that that's that's the issue, you know. I, I see every knife that I've ever wanted to make, and I end up making them, and yeah. then I go, "Damn, now I gotta give this to somebody or sell it to yeah. somebody." <laughs> I gotta yeah. get rid of this. I put all this work into yeah. it, and I gotta get rid of it now. Are you kidding me? Hey, Don, do you remember uh, Fred Sanford's uh, drawer of uh, eyeglasses, reading glasses? Oh, oh yeah. Hmm. 
those other guys are too young to remember Fred Sanford, but I can imagine that Eric going over to that drawer behind his recliner and opening it up, and he's like picking through the knives that he's wanting to carry that day. <laughs> pulls out a pulls out a five foot long sax and says, yeah. "I think I'll just yeah, carry this, this looks one. appropriate. I'll take Walk, this one. <laughs> walking around with a straight leg all day because he's got it strapped down to his leg. Yeah, yeah. So, I've got ten yeah. EDCs. You will have to tell us about that sax, Lily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got back <laughs> shoes belt right there. Yeah, I was going to say, got the Batman bit going on. That's what we ought to have. The Knives Templar Batman Throwing Star Challenge. (laughs) You got to make a Batman shuriken. For David here, okay, I got got three things. One is uh, a question there. Why why, why the name of Meek? Uh, meat custom knives. Is there like a special uh, meaning for um, that for, for for that particular name? Uh, two. Uh, I've been looking through your Instagram now. Congratulations, you make some beautiful Thank work. You. He does. And three, you're already making some anus knives, man. I've seen those. <laughs> they, they'll work just fine. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. All right. Well, well, I have an assignment for you then. I want you to, I want you to comment on the on which one you think is the anus knife. <laughs> oh. And uh, right away. <laughs> <laughs> is it the mud dog? Mud dog too. Well, the mud, mud dog, dog sounds too. an appropriate name. So. <laughs> the mud dog too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the mud dog. I'd work. Um, I'm not renaming the mud dog. So do we? Do we have a? Do we have a? Uh, I don't know if I want to put that up as the show title or not. The anus knife with David. <laughs> please, David, pronounce please, your please last name. Pronounce don't your last name. name on uh, Dave, no, no, no. But pronounce your last. Go ahead. Halp. 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 Yeah, it's, it's German, got so it. you kind of you got a hakaloogie and sound angry when you say it. You know. <laughs> I got yeah. that. I got that. You ought, to, you ought to hear the way we have to say Otis, Otisir's name uh, more authentic. Yeah. <laughs> well, like uh, eating nails and crap and barbed wire, right? Yeah. Uh, no. Right, so um, I, I will go through your page there. No, right. Otisir's name, if you pronounce it correctly, is Butthead. <laughs> 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 so there's one. So, so to answer your question, your first question... Um, the way the reason I came up with that name, uh, or at least where I got it, was I was having a I was having a tough time coming up with, you know, what I was going to call what I was, what I was going to call it, you know, what I was going to call the, these knives, um, and like we were just talking about, my last name is kind of kind of funky, kind of hard to say sometimes, and um, so I didn't want to use that. A lot of guys use their last names and. I came across this random video again on YouTube. Came across this random video, and uh, we all know uh, the scripture: uh, "The meek shall inherit the earth." Uh, well, it gets yes. uh, a, a lot of, a, at least to me, a lot of times the word "meek" gets misinterpreted as weak. Weak. Um, and the best translation that I, I the coolest at least translation. Uh, that I heard for the word meek was this. It was uh, men who carry swords and know when to keep them sheathed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's that right. hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, that's it. That's it right there. And it just kind of stuck. It's good. It's good. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's, like yeah that. it is Real good. good. I like that. Yeah. So how did you come I up with your... I commented on three just now. How'd you come up with your knife name, Pinto? 
Oh, I don't know. Uh, somebody said, uh, what, you going to put it in there? I said, okay, uh, Pinto. Handmade knives. Yeah, Is that what we go. called it? Pinto's handmade knives? That's it, that's it. Yeah. Pinto's. The horse. Pinto's nothing nothing special knives. about that. So you found three knives that you think would make good anus knives? Yeah, yeah I see. Yeah, I see you know, the the, the, the yeah. pass code is this one. I mean, this would work. This one works. So you, you're going to see there three comments yep. there. David, are yes. you a hunter? I'm they not. Narrow and a wee bit longer. That that works just uh, fine. Yeah, I'm I'm not a hunter. So uh, coming up with so so it was a little odd coming up with hunting knives. I had to I had to sort of design them and get with some buddies of mine that were hunters. And once I once sure. I made them, you know, I said, okay, here's a prototype. Take it, put it in the field, and tell me what's wrong with it. Like. You know, great. If you like it, you think it's pretty cool, but I want to know what's wrong with it. Um, yeah. So, you know. Now, did they have to give it back after they tried it? They had to give it back. Oh, good. Because they oh, this was just not no. quite right. Make There's another no, one. Yeah. No, no, point, no point taking a, taking a crappy knife for free, you know. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I had them, had them give me notes and real feedback and you know, several iterations of, of, you know, each model came out of that. So until it was just right. Yeah. So. I, uh, did something similar, but I got pulled into hunting now. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I want to go hunting so bad. I've never been. And I would, I, you know, I, I do like guns. I, um, I don't have the budget for it, but I, <laughs> um, yeah. um, I have, you know, I have, I have enough, I guess right now, but <clears throat> Or at least my wife would say I have enough. But um, yeah, you don't know about weapons dealing. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't know anything about weapons, weapons dealing? dealing, like uh, like like illegal arms dealing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like making a knife, selling it, buying a gun. Make a knife, sell, buy a gun. Make a knife, sell, buy a tree stand. <laughs> that way, your wife doesn't get involved as long. <laughs> I would I would absolutely get into that if if someone were to say, "Hey, uh, give me that knife, and I'll." I give you this rifle or this pistol. I'm down. Yeah, I yeah. trade it for cash, and then I do that. But I will tell you what, um, it appeared to me. I went out and looked. Sounds like you. It looks like you've got a domain name uh, on online. You've got it reserved. I do. Yes, I literally maybe a week ago did that. Um, and, good, and the, good, the, good. The website is uh, under construction, so probably sure. by the end of the year, uh, it'll be up and running. If not by. Um, uh, you know, first or second week of January, so it should be up soon. <clears throat> yeah, who'd you register? GoDaddy uh, with or GoDaddy. something like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I used to be able to write HTML and 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 develop my own websites, and with with GoDaddy and their website builder using WordPress, you can make some beautiful websites these days. So all I'm really getting at is the fact that your knives, um, having the Instagram link also and, and a little bit of Facebook, uh, uh, interactions, uh, driving people back to your website, man, you're going to be, uh, you're going to, you're going to be buying a deer camp before you know it. Cause they <laughs> oh, are beautiful. Thank you. I hope they so. are beautiful. Be great. Yeah. So guys, what do you say? Oh yeah. No, 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 I no, say no. Yes. Somebody's got to, somebody's <laughs> got to make a motion. I make a Somebody motion to make, make him a nice Templar. Anybody going to second it? I second it. Everybody in favor, say aye. Aye. Everybody, aye. All right, man. You're aye. Nice All right. David, with that comes, uh, if you can get Otis here, what size do you wear? 
for what? No, shoe? I'm asking oh, David oh, what, what size, size you wear. Shirt? Oh, yeah. I'm glad I wouldn't get more time. asking about underwear. Jeez. Um. <laughs> <laughs> We're past the anus knife portion. Of the... <laughs> I'm a large. All right, Otis here, what size is that your shirt you're wearing? Large, large. I need you to send that up to David. Hand it over, Otis here. But I, I will tell you this. We will be up at uh, – we're, we're uh, pseudo-planning to be at Blade Show this year, and I hope that we all get to go back and enjoy that. Eric, you going to be there? I'm going to be at all three this coming Excellent. year. Otis, are you coming back to Blade Show? I hope so. All right, and I hope so. I will be there as well. And uh, the the folks of us that are going to be there will all be getting shirts uh, so that we're walking around and probably throw some of those little links on them so people can just scan our butts. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get you a, get you some hot pants, Don, and you, uh, you can scan it and go right to our website. Oh, yeah. But, uh, David, give us your uh, Instagram uh, one more time. Uh, I'm at Meek. Custom knives, M E E K, custom knives, and you can All find right. me uh, and, uh, with the same handle on uh, Facebook as well. Are you also on the Rivers Experience? I am. Yeah, the TRE yes, workshop. Good, good, the good. TRE good. workshop. I just am on plug, that. Just plugging, just just plugging that right there. Well, David, it has been such a blessing to have you on. Uh, loved on the pre-show, learning a little bit about your family, and again, thank you for your service to our country. As uh, you said you've got 13 in it, years in with the Air Force right. and you've been around the world and done things. And uh, there's too many people in the world these days that just take that for granted. And we see it every yeah. day on people posting on Instagram things that aren't really uh, godly or family friendly or this, that, and the other, the influencers, so mm. to speak. And uh, they've got all of those freedoms and it's brought to us by people like you. So the sincerest of thanks, that's just not thrown out there randomly. Thank you friend. very much. Thank I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you. And uh, with that being said, uh, David, we're going to catch you on the next show. We'll be chatting with you out on the Rivers Experience, and we would love to have you back on as a co-host. Absolutely. Sometime. My father always said I had a face for radio, so I'd love to be back. You And you've got a great <laughs> voice for it as well. So, <laughs> Hey, listen, make sure that your phone says 100% uploaded when you uh, before you hang up there, and we'll catch you on another, another right episode. Right on. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. By the way, go ahead and get that. Uh, <clears throat> That court order where I can't approach your house you or anything it. within 50 yards. Cause <laughs> 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 Have a blessed day, friend. We'll All catch right, you guys, on the next show. Thank you, David. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Well, let's just take a moment and let's hear from our buddies over at the best grinder that I own, Ameribrade. Hey, listeners. Let's take a moment today to thank one of our sponsors for today's show. And that sponsor is Ameribrade Grinders. Eric and Kevin over at Ameribrade have sold thousands of these grinders and they are super nice guys and their customer service is excellent. I would know I've been personally using their 2x72 grinder now for two years and it has changed my knife making to a whole new level. So if you're in the market for or looking to upgrade from that 1x30 or 2x42 then give Ameribrade a look. There you'll find they have three packages of grinders to offer. They have a mastery package foundations package and a get grinding package in which all of them come at different price points so i'm sure you'll find something that'll suit your needs as a knife maker also ameribrade has a ton of innovative attachments for their grinders so listeners you can find out about all of this at www.ameribrade.com go give them a look see what they have to offer today and now back to the show well, guys, David's a good guy. 
We meet some really cool guys he out is. there, don't we? Real good guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he yeah. seems like a really nice guy. It's a great community, yeah. man. Yeah, it really is. Really good. You know, when I say it's a great community, I'd say most of it is. Every time once in a while I run into somebody that's, uh, that's um, you know, somebody I don't really want to associate with. But for the most part, it's uh, far and few between. Um, hey, you feeling better, Otis, here? We've had some friendly talk. You, you all calmed down from that little rant a while ago about knives. <laughs> oh, yeah. You want some listener that. feedback? I got your name and some listener feedback. You're not going to get upset, are you? You're not going to get upset, are you? All right, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Comes from a guy named Gary. He says, guys, you are so fun. Always interesting stuff discussed. A great mix of info and moves around in topic to keep you interested. You guys make me laugh so hard. I love how you keep it real and not just go after the trends. Odysseer cracks me up. You got specifically mentioned there, brother. There you go. go. Thank you very much. I think he's just afraid of you and that anus knife. But, uh... (laughs) 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 All right, enough about... And and everybody, there's such a thing as an anus knife. It's used by deer hunters that feel they need one, but you really don't need one, but they do make one. Anyway... Got one more here. I got in two, and I was really glad because, like I said, we're starting to uh, we're starting to set some uh, foundations in there that are really sticking. It says, "Always an interesting show. Look forward to the new show coming out every time. Wouldn't it be great to have a group of friends like this close by?" I guess they don't realize that we're all yes, like fifteen would. hours from each other, <laughs> but it's like we're close by. And I will tell you, uh, and that, that's really a nice one. I'm going to segue into this because if you want friends that are close by, you can do that through the click of your phone. And some of us visit each other from time to time, but through the click of your phone, you can jump right into the Rivers Experience, and you can connect with a whole world of knife makers. So hey, let's listen to our buddy about the Rivers Experience. Hey guys, what was your source of inspiration when you first decided to make knives? You know, many go to the books and also some go to the web, uh, but many also head to YouTube for videos. Well, you know, we are fortunate enough to have Eric Rivers from the Rivers Experience as a co-host on the Knives Templars. But you know what? He's also a sponsor. And I tell you, 27,000 followers can't be wrong in following his skilled and educational regular videos that teach the fine arts of making beautiful knives. I know because I'm a subscriber to his channel and I learned at my pace and without making those mistakes by walking in the dark regarding knife making. Be sure and check out his channel, The Rivers Experience, on YouTube or his website at theriversexperience.com. And now back to our show. Yes, Eric, you uh, you put together quite a, uh, you know, you, you pulled me into this group uh, when I was interested in knife making and I found The Rivers Experience. Otis here stumbled in don did you know you've you've got uh well over a thousand knife makers in there now and growing every day i've seen that the rivers experience on facebook is up to about thirty-two thousand members i apologize that the ad says thirty thousand members or 29 whatever it says but uh we'll have to record that once you hit thirty-five thousand. We re-recorded it at thirty-five thousand. <laughs> so uh congratulations yeah. on your continued success and not only success in, in numbers and people the way you're touching people uh uh, your philanthropy, so to speak, but also the fact that uh, you can continue to grow personally and um, and your success. And success comes in many forms. It, it's not always, uh, I don't know, 
I mean, if say you knew Jake Paul's dad, I mean, that would be really cool, but you know, I don't know Jake Paul's dad. So, But with all that being said, <laughs> if you knew somebody like Jake Paul's dad, though, your heart still remains constant and, um, and down to earth. So thank you for what you do over at the Rivers Experience. Um, I have one other thing that I came across reading this week. How many of you guys send a penny with your knives in the mail? Or when you gift some, Otis here didn't give me a penny when he gave his gave me his knife. Mm. Thank you for that gift. I still treasure it. I haven't done that yet. For I'm reasons historians have not reached a consensus on, somewhere along the line, way back in the line, hundreds, maybe thousands of years ago, people came to believe that giving a knife as a gift meant bad luck for a relationship. In other words, the knife would metaphorically cut ties with that, with those two people and break their binds. This effect is even worse if the recipient is your significant other. Some believe that love will soon end after a knife is given as a, as a gift, excuse me, as a knife is given as a gift or that a knife as a wedding gift will severe, sever the bonds of marriage. No one wants a gift like that. So they found a way around that so we didn't break those bonds. Otis here, you want to hear? That's why long before rationality and science started replacing superstition, a tradition began in which those who gift a knife also attach a coin to the blade or include it with the gift. Even a penny will do. The receiver of the knife then gives the penny to the gift giver, thus paying them for the knife and keeping the relationship intact. may sound weird, but this is uh, that's because it is. But so is throwing salt over your shoulder not walking under ladders and expecting seven years of bad luck when you break a mirror. That's cool. I'm going to start sending a penny with all my knives. I'll stick one in every package. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That'll work. Shiny, yeah. too. I scraped one off the bottom of a used car that I used to work on. Oh, really? Plenty of them in there. See, I always put, um, mm. I always, when I when I take my car in to get work, worked on, I always put, uh, um, what do you call it? That tape the police use um, so that you can't open uh, evidence packets. I put evidence <laughs> tape. Keep people out of my yep. pennies. There you go. Now, talking talking about that, may I always, always, always the conversation a little bit? Okay. So once upon a time, I was inspecting a car, and I don't know the back story of that car. But the back seat had blood and what looks like, um, I, would, I want to say brain matter all over the it place. Sounds like it was in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, you know, it, it, it looked exactly like that. You know, I was kind of uh, creeped out a little bit, but a uh, job is a job. And I, you know, went through, check everything, failed the car, of course. And, uh, yeah, I think that was the uh, the most uh, horrifying and disgusting thing I ever found in a car as I am. Maybe they had just collected it. a deer on the side a of the lot road. Of blood and Maybe they had just collected matter. a deer on the side of the road. <laughs> Maybe. It is a possibility. Here in Maryland, everything yeah. is possible. Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting. Going back to Where knives, were we so with knives? We? Well, I will tell you. Would you like to field some questions? You seem like the kind of guy that can field some questions. You. Who? Yes, you. Me? Otis here. But I want to tell you something. What's the question? I want to tell you you a little story real quick. 
<clears throat> you know, Definitely. getting into this business of selling knives, I've had to be real careful. I had this friend one time. It's story time with Chip. And uh, when I lived up in Michigan, he was a duck hunter. And uh, in the in the winter months, they go out there and they um, they lay down in these bay boats. And when they lay down in them, the ducks can't see them. They're kind of covered. When the uh, ducks come in, they can set up in them real quick and start shooting the ducks out on St. Clair Bay. Well, my friend Scott had come up with a kayak that had a uh, oil heater in it. You could just add oil to it, and um, it would set and heat that kayak because you couldn't have gas, and um, it would uh, just heat the inside of it. So sitting out on the water, you stayed you stayed warm while you were duck hunting. And uh, unfortunately, you talk about selling knives, the things that can go wrong. Um, a series of these started catching fire out on the water, and these people are out several hundred yards out into freezing waters, and these boats are catching fire. And uh, people got hurt. Uh, ultimately, he got sued and ended up getting arrested um, and uh, had to go to court on it. And uh, it was a lengthy trial. And uh, he, as he as he went through it, you know, we knew it wasn't. So he took a plea and uh, was hoping to get, you know, less fines, less time. And I remember going because he was my he was a good, good buddy of mine. Still is. Um, I've stuck with him, but I remember the judge said to him right before he um, sentenced him, he said, uh, Mr. Scott, um, I've got something to tell you before I give you the sentencing. And he said, what's that, sir? We were all somber, and he says, you just need to know you can't have your kayak and heat it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> we all started laughing and he got 25 years for laughing at the judge so um anyway questions we're on to questions dave says i bought some dyed camel what are y'all laughing about dave said that was serious dave said i bought some dyed camel bone the other day for a couple knives i'm working on they are blackish and really or really dark brown after i got them glued up and started grinding them uh, almost all of the color is gone and they are now splotchy brown and mostly white. My question is, is there a way I can dye them back to some extent with, uh, with them attached? Can I soak it in leather or wood dye while it's attached? You've got a quandary there. He's got some funky looking scales now that they, that dye didn't get down into the bone. Hmm. Yeah. If it was a superficial diamond, it will rub off. Hmm really quick um i used some um, yeah. leather dye on some antler and it kind of stained enough to look nice and brownish uh but i don't know about bone i think it would work on bone as well but it's not gonna be as good as say um right a vacuum uh stabilizing and dying you know i would leave it alone unless you really wanted to uh try something you you could try but there's no guarantees uh the the pieces of bones that i have that i bought it at um right a blade show that i made that chef's knife it's a uh, giraffe bone and the dying is all the way through mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i guess it was done right yeah yeah i would say there are probably some um, things that came off of an amazon site or something like that somebody just stuck it in mm-hmm 
Yeah, probably some some cheap dying yeah. just on the surface. Yeah, that's a problem. I mean, you and could try a uh, leather dye. I w I would use leather dye before anything, and uh, I also know that if you grab like a, a small torch, you can sort of uh, oh, yeah. cool. singe the surface of it right um but you might crack it also because of the heat so you need to be careful yeah you have to be careful yeah you have to get just surface you're gonna have to do yeah, some because you don't want to get in and heat the epoxy or anything up. exactly mm -hmm. i would do that before mounting but i guess it's already yeah, he's mounted, saying they're already so glued already up grinding yeah i would try just a letter die yeah, and soak First. it for about two days. Yeah. Yeah, let it sit there. Yeah. Now, um, I also thought, you know, with the leather dye, you don't have to worry about any rust or anything because it's. I believe that's all solvent in there, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Is that what you think, Eric? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Leather dye is probably all solvent? Yeah, that's right. It, it's pretty much all solvent. Yeah, so I would say, and even even if you hit it with a with a wool dauber, it's, that, stuff, that stuff sticks to everything. <laughs> <laughs> I go to hands, I go to shake people's hands, and I got brown fingers, and they're like, let's shake your hand. <laughs> you look like you've been using one of them knives that Otisir makes. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm serious. I mean, that, that put a terrible-looking brown on your fingers. But um, I would say just hit it with leather dye. Once you finish sanding it, and then just go over it lightly with some thousand grit or something just to knock down the edge if anything rises up on it just from the moisture of the even of the solvent um and then go through and uh seal it after that with with some type of sealer i don't i wouldn't use wax i would probably use some type of oil based sealer or something yeah possibly like. yeah yeah what's the um What's the um, stuff that I've used it, and I, I'm trying to remember what it is, but they put it on gun Bluing? stocks. No, the gun oh, the stocks, stock, stock. I'm sorry. For the gun stock. Yeah. yeah, the gun stock. I think Butch, Birchwood Casey yeah, they or made, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, some, yeah, some sort of a student. Uh, I have some shellac in the, in the shop. Yeah. About the same thing. I like the idea. Sometimes you just kind of go with it, you know. If all the black comes off and ends up some spots here or there, that's just the way that knife looks. I don't know. Just depends on what it looks like when you're done. You know, it looks like if all of a sudden mm -hmm. your knife, if you're not happy with it. And you know what else you can do? Grind those yeah, suckers I mean, back off and get you some <laughs> decent handle material. I've ground handles off before. Yep. Yeah. Do that. I mean, before doing anything, I mean, finish yeah. the best you can. Do the buffing, the polishing and everything. Let it sit for a couple of mm -hmm. days in a drawer somewhere. Don't obsess it. Uh, I noticed that when I do obsess with something and I'm working on it and I'm working on it and I just can't falls get out. it right when I want it, so I say, you know, I'm more liable yeah. to ruin it. Yep. So I just, you know, I learned to just put it aside for a couple of days and I'll pick it up again with the, you know, fresh rested yep. eyes. And fresh like, so uh, I, I've got an opinion on that too. Uh, when it comes to stuff like that where you have situations where the – you know, this might sound kind of hippie-ish of me or whatever, but um, I feel like that knife was meant to have that particular handle. Uh, if if that's the way it ground out and that's what you chose, and uh, I say go with it. Feel free to make a second knife that has other handle scales on it that are black, but uh, some people are going to like that cool differentiation in color. And, uh, yes. 
you know it's it's it i would just leave it and i would make another knife with a different set of handle skills i've mm-hmm. never been a big fan of knocking handle skills yeah. off of knives uh i just make another eric knife. says all right and, all right uh, all right go that route eric says all right all right all right it'd be yeah. really cool if you did so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that too i mean i have i have a couple of blades where i wasn't completely happy with the uh fit and finish and the way the the final grind came out on the handle uh remember the knife i brought to a blade show with the um with the uh man yeah. giraffe bone handle the, the yeah. gray handle so when i mounted that the exterior had a lot of uh, cracking a lot of veins going through a really beautiful coloration i made the mistake of gluing it before I start grinding it and uh, as I ground to the final uh, size and shape I lost a lot of that beautiful surface still looks good but not as good as it was when I first yeah. got that piece that's of the way bone. I feel whenever I do antler, uh, you know, I always I, try like I, sometimes I've lost everything that I wanted to keep on it and but you can find like you said you can find beauty underneath there if you just keep going Kind of goes back to what Eric yeah, was saying. It, it still yeah. came out all right, uh, but I wish I had thought about okay, I want to keep this outside the way it is, and I would have grounded on the inside yeah. first, brought it to close to the dimension that I wanted, and then glue it in and finish my grindings after. Lesson learned uh, on the second one that I did with the with the with the bone. Avoided that mistake, came out perfect. So you know, a couple little tricks. I mean, you if, that I picked up. You know, on a on a on a bone handle, try to grind the uh, the inside first. The inside first, yeah, always. Yeah, I and agree. Then you can yeah. just. So we'll we'll uh, right. hopefully it turns out well for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it probably will. Like I said, I mean, when you obsess it, just put it mm-hmm. inside for a couple of days, stick it in a drawer, leave it alone, you know, come back later, pick it up. You're probably going to like what you see. It's just at the moment you're expecting something to look one particular way, and it's not what you first uh, picture in your head. So, but, you know. Hey, Aaron says, uh, does anyone use a kiln to normalize or refine grain? If so, how do you set up the program? I'm not sure how effective it would be with the amount of time it takes to cool down. Um, I don't have a kiln. Do you? I don't oh, have I mean, a kiln either. It's, a, it's the same process as a, as yeah. a, a heat treat oven. I mean, the deal is you're, uh, you're normalizing and grain refinement it's pretty much the same exact thing just you know depends on how you're how you're wording it or whatever yeah. but um yeah easily you can use it all you're going to do is you're not yeah. focused so much on the the kiln cooling down as you are the blade yeah. cooling down so what i always suggest if you're going to do that is uh and you're going to do it in an oven is you take it out and then put it down make sure you don't have fans blowing or don't put it in a windy area and let the blade cool down and then ramp it back up. You don't have to wait for the the kiln to cool all the way down. You're going to pull the knife mm-hmm. out, let it cool down mm-hmm. outside of it, and then put it back in there while the kiln's still warm. And it works out perfect because you're ramping down 
the temps mm-hmm. as you're going right. through and doing it. So, yeah. I think it would too. I think it would too. Um, You know, and and if all you've got is like a washing machine size kiln, pottery kiln, I mean, that may be a little overkill for a single blade, but um, I would probably look for a different piece of equipment just because you're using so much energy and heating so much up and the cool down time and everything. But sometimes you use what you got and can go with it. So got another one for you here guys this one's <laughs> read it it's right up eric's uh uh i think this is a question for eric i have made about 10 knives so far and about five of them are mirror finished currently i'm using my harbor freight grinder to get them to a 120 finish so he's using probably harbor freight blades because i think they've got up to a 120 in their store yeah uh, and then using sequential sandpaper up to about 1,200. So they go 220, 320, 400, 600, 800,000, Then I polish the blade on a buffer on my drill press. That's what's made me think of you, Eric. Um, and I know you've got buffers. You just haven't uh, broke them out in that new shop of yours yet. I was wondering, is there a faster way to a mirror? I don't have enough for a really good grinder. Plus, I'm not that good on it and usually mess up some bevels somehow i don't know any ideas on a faster mirror and i did actually watch a video today of a guy that was producing mirror finishes with his uh, ameribraid grinder and he was taking them up to about five thousand grit um and was getting beautiful mirror finishes um yeah. and that was fine it's interesting his knife shop was you may have seen his video before his knife shop is in an office like like a business office an accounting office and his grinder sitting on a carpet floor <laughs> he's probably in his 80s but uh or 70s or 80s but i thought <laughs> you get all that dust out but um it's sitting on a table yeah yeah, yeah. you seen area. that video yeah yeah he he does uh, oh yeah they're gorgeous knives though but and he does he does a lot of folders and everything like that too um okay so here's the deal it just depends on how much you want to uh invest into your one by 30 um if you want to make your life a lot easier, make a full-length platen for your 1x30. They're not complicated to make. You can make them out of mild steel. You can make it out of pretty much anything. Um, and all you need is a 1-inch wide by 8-inch thick uh, piece of uh, iron. And go ahead and form yourself a full-length platen. Make two of them. Make one that is just a full-length platen. And then make one that is a platen with either a Scotch Bright pad uh, glued to it or a piece of leather glued to it, and save yourself a lot of hassle. Uh, so make those two pieces. They are very cheap to make, very easy to make. There's a lot of people who make videos on what I'm talking about with the leather. Uh, Does that take platen. away the belt chatter? And, uh, it takes away the belt chatter, and it also is more forgiving when you come up to uh, – uh, you're going uh-huh. through the grits and everything like that, especially on uh, grits like 400, 500, things like that. So I, it starts smoothing things out and less uh, focus on sharp lines. It starts making things mm-hmm. nice and smooth and kind of rounds it just a little bit, but – the the whole point is you need to go to um, either you know Phoenix abrasives, combat abrasives. Pops. Uh, they make one by thirty belts. Yeah. Pops 
uh, yeah, anybody who carries those one by 30 belts in the higher grits. Um, and then I use a company called pro sharpening supply and, uh, they are the ones that supply my, uh, 800, 1000, you know, 1200, 1500, 2000, uh, that I use for sharpening, but you can also use those for finishes as well. But, uh, you just need to do a little bit of research for your belts. You can get belts all the way up into the super high grits, but the biggest thing that's going to be a game changer for you on a one by 30 is a full length platen and a platen that has a leather uh, backer on it is going to be the biggest yep. game changer for your, your finish. Good advice. You know, I didn't even think of that. I was going to say, well, you know, you just got to do the handwork, but as long as you can handle those, uh, set speeds that you've got on those one by thirties and just learn to be gentle with it. Um, especially as you get down thinner that you don't burn the tips or anything. I think you'd be just fine. So. Yeah. Cause they, they overheat really quick. Well, and on, on belts like that, you're not supposed to put pressure in. I no, was no, going to no. say on the higher grip belts, you're, you're letting the belt do its job. You're not supposed yeah. to be forcing anything mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but even then, I mean, one uh, second lapse of concentration and you cap that blade on one spot for too long and mm-hmm. a blue spot. You didn't get the marble grasshopper. This. You messed up. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Otis, you know what Cole has to ask you today? He may be asking me this too. Yeah. He says, let's start by saying that my 2 by 42 is about eight years old. I've made enough knives on it to know I need a two by 72 if I'm going to get serious about making knives. <clears throat> My question is, is the difference night and day? Shaping a blade isn't isn't the issue. The struggle is the plunge lines and the bevel. It's so difficult to do it cleanly. What significant difference can I expect once biting the bullet and biting a two, two by 72? I can answer this, but go ahead, Otis here. No, I'm going to say I just yeah, went from a 2x42 to a 2x72 this past spring. And variable speed drives are important. The vast selection of belts, the width of the belt, of course, is already 2x42. But the variable speed uh, has a lot to do with it because I can um, extend that belt over the edge of the platen as far as I want on either side and line that knife up uh, to whatever speed I'm running at slow and just slowly take that bevel in and I'm creating beautiful bevels. Um, took a little bit of getting used to you'll you guys probably saw me doing some full grinds from cutting edge up to the spine because my bevels got away from me. And sometimes like Eric said about the handles, that's just the way that knife was supposed to turn out. Um, and they turned out, I mean, you guys were complimenting them. I was like, I meant to do that, <laughs> but I didn't, but I did. We call it, we call that a design opportunity. Yes, it opportunity. was. Yes, it was. Um, life's little mistakes sometimes turn into the, some of the most beautiful things. Yeah. It turned out but good, I, man. But I will say that um, I, I learned that uh, on the 2x72, it gave me more control, more tools. The biggest thing is you're not running wide open. And and the things that you can take with you from the 2x42, you, you learn the light touch. Because if you don't use a light touch, all of a sudden you've destroyed a blade because you got into it deep, too deep on just about any anything uh, 400 and less on grit. But the um, 
But since you can take that light touch to you, you'll find out that when you're shaping that steel, you're going to make your mistakes. But you develop a an understanding between your mind, your hands, that steel and the belt that allows you to control where things are going and where things are pulling away. Where I went from somebody that wouldn't step, a, wouldn't think about not using a jig on that 2 by 42 and probably two-thirds of the knives I'm making right now, or maybe even higher than that, I'm just hand-grinding and learning to do it. So 2x72 is a big step up in the learning curve, and your bevels and, and grinding angles will come much easier. Go ahead, Don. I think another thing, when you step from a 2x42 uh, and step to a, a good, a good uh, 272, is that the tracking system runs oh, better yeah. yeah yeah belt tracking that's that's a real good key yeah those um, those two by 42s are for you know the shop down at the plant kind of thing they're for you know grinding yep. on uh lawnmower blades or grounding off a bolt or just whatever you're trying to do um not, not i'm not taking away there's a lot of beautiful knives made by two by 42s and and one by 30s it's just like going out and buying you know, say a set of golf clubs at, at Walmart for 130 bucks, or you go out and buy a $5,000 set of golf clubs and go swing them. If you've ever swung a golf club, and I don't do that anymore, but when I did, there's a big difference in the in the quality of what you buy and buying something specialized for what you're doing. So there, mm-hmm. there's a place for 2x42s. I've still got mine set up in my shop, and yep. I use it on many things still. Belts are cheaper, and, you know, I can set and knock edges off and do all kinds of things. I think another thing too, Chip, is buying good belts too. Yes, yes, yeah. good quality belts is a, another That's plus. A huge you know, I, key. I'm making Big that uh, that tuna cleaver right now, the El Katuna, um, the um, or the Big Katuna, excuse me, and it's quarter inch steel. And I, I think you guys heard me whining about that. You know, about burnt my mm-hmm. uh, hand grinder up, and then I uh, took it to my um, uh, bandsaw and rounded off the blades on it on that 8670 it might have just been the 8670 or or whatever but uh i decided well heck i took the other grinder back to it the hand grinder back to it and ground it down as close as i could and then just took a, a shredder belt and ground it all to shape and uh i would yeah. have never been able to do that on a 2x42 i would have shut that sucker down in a heartbeat so you know having the right belts even even the right belts on a two by forty two, the the motors uh, three quarter horsepower or whatever, and being able to crank that two by seventy two up was a was a big difference. But having uh, ceramic belts that I got from Pops, uh, it's the only place I'm getting my belts these days. Um, shredders and then all the way up to the lightest refinements just make all the difference in the world. So yeah, good advice. Yep. Got time for one more, guys? Sure. Rod, yeah, Rod, he says, I built my grinder. I'm waiting on some glass for my platen. I have a standard flat platen, a small wheel attachment, five sizes from one half uh, to one inch on the way. I will eventually set a large contact wheel. Not sure what size yet. My question is, what are each of the attachments mostly used for? Large wheel for hollow grinds, small wheels for finger grooves and serrations. What attachments do people mostly use for profiling? Flat or large wheel? First thing I want to say is don't get the glass platen. 
I don't see any need for them. I talked to the guys over at Mayor Braden about that, and they were like, no, you don't need that. you got hardened steel plate. Invest your money in extra plates that you'll install once every year and a half or two years after you flipped one over and this, that, and the other. But aside from that, you guys want to talk about your attachments that you think are important? Yeah, I'd like to say something. Um, I have a mirror braid with all the attachments. Um, you're probably going to use the one-inch or the three-quarter inch small wheel more than anything. Um, um, the mine comes with a, my platen comes with a two-inch and then a six-inch wheel, and I use it a lot. Uh, but when you are going to profile your steel, I used to use. Um, my platen and I had I found that if you will get a go to a wheel attachment or contact wheel big as you can I got a 12 inch wheel and I do all my profiling with that because it'll do two things it won't wear your platen out because your platen will get grooves in it um, and it will create heat on your belt and on your steel so I went straight to a um, a 12-inch wheel to grind it out to the lines, but it will it will wear your um, your platen out whether it's hardened or not. It, over time, it'll it'll put grooves in mm -hmm. it. I had to I had to go in there and take my um, surface grinder and, and clean it off. You know, get it got it back flat again. So, but yeah, I would definitely if you're gonna profile, you need at least a three-quarter inch small wheel. Um, and if you can get a six inch or eight inch or 10 inch wheel, I would use that to do all your hardcore profiling. So Good advice. that helps. I agree with that. Yeah, I've been, uh, um, I've been using my OBM with the flat platen now mm -hmm. for the longest time. Just a flat platen, nothing more. Um, I do you get your convex ago, grinds I just off of slack I'd, belting or something then? That is oh, that's cool. That's cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, must have something recently, to do with pinto I sauce. Those, uh, small wheel attachments and uh, a, a ten-inch uh, hollow grind wheel. Uh, but I've, you know, I would say ninety-nine percent of what I do is on my flat platen. Uh, I use my hollow wheel very seldom and i use very seldom you know i know there's no correct english for you know it's just seldom but i add the very because i very seldom use that's it. the correct <laughs> english yes and then i use my uh, small wheel attachments mostly for um my guard making mm -hmm. when i'm profiling my guards on you know especially that mm -hmm. section that goes against right. the finger. Yeah, your finger That's, choil. You know, that, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it. Other than that, I mean, flat platen all the way. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't use a whole lot of different things. One thing that I am gonna buy, and I really want, and I can see me using a lot, is that um, we, we saw it together on Blade Show. Chip, Eric, and I, the uh, integral, uh, yeah, uh, table. Yeah, the I don't like know if you guys remember that platen. attachment. Yep. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. Mm -hmm. yeah, I really want that thing. I can see me Who using it. Who had that? Was that Broadback? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice piece of Broadback. equipment. Broadback. Yeah. Mayor Braid's got one now. 
Yep. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the difference between a merry two braid inches. and broadback to me would be yeah, uh, compatibility. Yeah, you got the one inch. Uh, inch. No. The uh, broadback yeah. uses inch and a half tooling mm-hmm. arms, whereas you know the other guy. I think has, they can. Uh, I think inch. they can make it work for you though. I believe they can. I tried, and they say, "Well, you know, we can okay. set adjust the attachment, and you can uh, fiddle around with the arm." And I'm really not into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, well, broadback broadback yeah. makes good equipment, Messing but hey, let's take this it? opportunity to talk about another piece of great equipment, and that's uh, before we go into our next series, which is going to be forging with eric rivers let's talk a little bit about majestic forges i'll be right back majestic forge is owned and operated by brian and kayla horn in rushville ohio with many years of experience manufacturing two to five burner gas forges majestic forge is your number one source for blacksmith forges barrier forges and specialty forges they are dedicated to creating top of the line forges at a price you can afford Majestic Forge has supplied forges to blacksmith schools, high schools, colleges, production shops, and TV shows such as Mythbusters. And Majestic Forge is the forge of choice for televisions forged in fire. Knife makers are in luck as they offer forges that come with two or three deluxe burners. Here at Knives Templars, we are sure that you can find a USA-made Majestic Forge to suit your needs. Check out your next forge at MajesticForge.com. Hey, welcome back. So, yeah, there's a series of attachments that uh, that you can use. I would just say I concur with what Don said on all the attachments. Mostly use those um, uh, same ones that he does. The one thing I will add to that is I bought the Ameribraid uh, knife sharpener. And it's changed my life when it comes to sharpening blades. There's many ways to make sharp knives. And I actually brought out my Lansky this past week and did that little uh, niblet knife with that because it was so small and didn't take that long to do. But, um, yeah, Lansky, uh, excuse me, the uh, Ameribraid uh, sharpening uh, arms and everything they've got are perfect, perfect, perfect add-on. And, of course, Don, I know you built your own. So if yours is working great like it is, uh, I'd stick with that as well. You're pretty good. Hey, forging. Just talked about uh, Majestic Forge. They make some great forges. I love mine to death. But I, mm-hmm. I will also say you don't necessarily have to buy one because Eric Rivers is building a forge right now that's just as gorgeous as I've ever seen. But, Eric, won't you lead us a little bit off because you've got a forging series going on right now, don't you? I do, I do, I do. So, uh, for one, yeah, I just finished uh, another forge. You know, whenever you focus so much on forging for weeks in a row you realize that your uh, single burner is not <laughs> sufficient for every single type of knife because i've i've forged small knives i've forged chef's knives i've forged uh, basically a sword uh, which was the last thing and i'll tell you trying to do everything that I needed to do with this sword. Um, if, if I'm working on something that has like a, a 10 inch blade on it, that is probably about the, the limit on a single burner forge, uh, to be able to have a good constant heat, especially if you're going to heat treat it and do things like that without having to go really far in and out of the forge. Um, it just, I realized, you know, it was it was not gonna it was not gonna cut it with that one burner. So going to a two burner, 
uh, I won't see that I'll ever need anything bigger than that. Even a lot of people who have three burner forges only run one to two burners on them. Hardly anybody runs all three burners unless they're making nothing but swords. Um, so I decided it was time to do that. So I went ahead and built the new forge to be able to do a few more of the the builds that I have going on. But the whole goal behind the forge series was again to round out my knife making skills i i can grind pretty much any type of thing on my 2x72 i'm very confident with being able to do that and uh my ability to freehand grind and do all those things but the issue that i had was you know i've seen a lot of these makers and we actually all of us were at blade show in atlanta and there was a knife maker that was set up right next to Dennis Tyrell, and uh, he did these forge-to-finish knives. He's uh, he's done a few different uh, builds with Jason Knight and whatnot, and uh, his, uh, he goes by S. Lopez. on uh, If you look that up on Instagram, you'll see his stuff. But he made this, like, crazy uh, kukri that had a... a like crow's head with this like Damascus beak and everything on it. But he had hand forged in the fullers and did a full forge to finish bevels, everything. The whole entire blade was completely forged to finish and it looked so smooth and so clean that I thought, man, I kind of, I kind of want to start this. And, uh, one of my favorite makers in like, out of all the makers is uh, Neil Kamamura and he does a lot of like whenever he first set out to start making knives. If you ever watch his story, uh, for one, that guy went through uh, tons of ups and downs in his life, but uh, he decided he was going to start making knives. And what he did was he just forged knife after knife, after knife, after knife, after knife, uh over and over again and you know you, you hear that story and you think you know that is going to be a way to develop skills uh but it, it doesn't just do that it actually gives you a really strong connection with knives too you know there is something about being able to ground out a knife and the satisfaction from that but the moment that you can take a piece of steel and use nothing but an anvil and a hammer and make it look like a knife, like a finished knife whenever you're done with it is crazy. Because that's what they used to do back in the days. You know, 400 years ago, they didn't have two by 72s. They barely had sandpaper. You know what I mean? They had like stones and things like that. But yeah, um, yeah. just stones mostly stones and the the ability to to tap into that part of your knife making and get the forging ability down was just huge for me i wanted to to step up my knife making and at this point you know i've probably made yeah, probably about a, a hundred and forty, hundred and fifty knives, and um, 
a lot of those were stock removal of some point of some sort. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I just wanted to, to move myself to the next step, which is being able to, you know, fine tune my forging and, uh, and utilize that ability and utilize that skill. And so what I did was just like, if you're going to do knife making and you want to get into it, it's all repetition. It's all muscle memory. Once you get done grinding knives for, you know, let's just say a few months, you figure out where your elbows are going to be. You figure out what to do with your hands. You figure out how to counteract chattering with the belts. You figure out, you know, you, you know what it's going to do because you've done it so constant and so consistently that your body just naturally starts doing it. And the sword that I just finished, that worked out. You know, it's a, uh, I, I kind of stepped myself up. I started with the, a knife that I thought was going to be a little complicated. It was a, a little buoy. Did the whole forge to finish on that. Then did a drop point camp knife and kind of worked my way up within the forging. You know, what you, you can watch plenty of videos and they'll show you, you know, when you, you want to do your preforms, you want to know, okay, I'm going to do my preform. And then whenever I start forging in my bevels, it's going to bring my tip up and how to kind of drop the, the heel of the blade down. So the heel, what's going to be right in front of your, 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 where your hand's going to be on your, uh, basically right near your Ricasso. Um, but knowing how to forge that down, what side of your hammer to use, if you're using a rounding hammer and all that, uh, where you're going to start forging to pull the blade down or to move the blade forward. Um, a lot of those, you have to do it. You have to practice with it. You have to take a hammer, hit the steel, let it bend, and then try mm. and correct that. So you can and, get, uh, you can, you can it, get it back was, to uh, making a metal banana. Yes. So you can unbanana your banana. Um, and, uh, the the whole point is, you know, going through and pushing myself to do it every week. And I do a knife a week, um, at least, and I at least film a knife a week. And um, it is letting everyone kind of grow with me within the, the experience. Because typically, whenever you have people that put out videos, you know, I, I put out an insane amount of videos compared to a lot of knife makers right. on YouTube. A lot of knife makers will put one to two videos out a month and some of them have more commentary or they will kind of tell you what they're doing, but they're really skipping between the steps. And what I'm doing is I'm showing, I'm putting at the beginning of the video, the entire forging process. Now it is time-lapsed, but that is the piece of steel that I started with to the piece of steel that I finished with, with the forging process. And I want people to be able to go from video one to the last video I do in this series and be able to kind of work themselves in through the knowledge. Right. You know, you're learning the essentials of putting a bevel into a knife, dropping the heel down, 
where you're going to use a rounding, where you're going to use a flatten, where you're going to use those different things to, to move the steel where it needs to go. And then how to correct screw ups because you hit the thing the wrong way. Um, all those different types of things. And then talk about at the end of the video, what my takeaway is for that particular build. And then as I go through the series, what did I use from the previous video to impact that particular video and so on and so on and so on. And the sword that I just did was a pure example of that. If I hadn't done the chef's knife where I had to correct the banana, <laughs> uh, the sword would have been a nightmare because you, you have to know how to forge in bevels and then leave a thickness or leave a section on the spine to where you can forge it and down to be able to drop your tip down or what do you need to do to be able to unbanana your banana if uh, you weren't <laughs> trying to make a banana knife uh you know and it, the, the whole point is again just starting with more simple stuff and then work your way up and uh this weekend i'll be making a blacksmith's knife and I'm going to do everything in my power to not use a power tool. Yeah, that's cool. I'm uh, looking I'm forward to that. forge everything. You need to make some black, yeah, so. blacksmith shop doors. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be doing that here soon. It's It's been so cold, and it's just been nice not having the wind blow into my shop because that doorway right. is like, you know, like eight feet wide. And uh, it's I've had it covered for a little bit now but it's uh those doors are going to happen because i need the doors up in order for me to go ahead and start putting the wall panels up yeah. so that it actually becomes a finished shop yeah but you, you got you got those walls benches. up and all of a sudden it was like shop and you went shop crazy so it had to, everything had to shut down a little. of course you had to get back to some knife making but it was just nice having that space wasn't it yep you have a real forging shop now i yes, should say it's Yes, and I can have my anvils spread out and do everything like that. And uh, it's it's nice being able to take your steel out of the forge and be able to move like six feet right. and then mm -hmm. start forging. And you're not forging right in the middle of the anvil yeah. or right in the middle of the, the heat. Uh, it's nice right now, though, because my shop, it was... 35 degrees outside and my shop was like Ooh, 85 that is nice uh yeah, so it was it, is nice. it felt great <laughs> otis here otis. yeah again the the whole the whole point behind the like what i want people to have takeaways when it comes to the whole uh forging series is again uh every single time i tell people this it's all about repetition and you got to force yourself to actually do the task you got to force yourself to swing the hammer. You got to force yourself to, to learn from the process. We don't just become knife makers overnight. We start with the shanks and we work our way up from the shank, uh, to start making pretty <laughs> knives. And, uh, it's all repetition and being able to get yourself into the motion and start doing the action and start doing the thing. You know what Jason Knight says, be a maker. You gotta, you gotta do it. If you don't do it, and you just watch videos on it, you'll never fully comprehend what it actually takes to yeah, do Yeah, mine it. have worked up from shanks, and yeah, now I'm up to the stanks, so hopefully it'll eventually get together where it's a decent <laughs> knife. Otis here, how's your, uh, how's your uh, uh, forging journey taking you? 
Okay, a couple of things. Uh, first thing I want to say is that I have discovered the cure for yeah. insomnia. <laughs> yeah. Stick a piece of steel in your forge, beat it for three or four hours nonstop. You're going to sleep like a baby. <laughs> My wife said I was snoring so loud it sounded like a busted muffler on an old truck. Okay, so I'm going to tell you, man, that thing wore me out. But here's the deal, right? I was able to take a piece of an old chisel that I found on the shop. It was a hexagon, about yeah. inch around. I cut off about a three-inch piece out of it, and I said, just like Eric said, okay, start with something simple. And I went, okay, let me see what I can do with this thing. And I stretched it out to nine inches and inch and three-quarters wide, right? I made a nice flat yeah. out of it. I was able to cut a knife out of it. I still consider this forging, so I forged it out, yeah. right, out of a chisel. Uh, I, I cut a knife out of it. I ground it out. Uh, but I've learned that I made some mistakes there. One, I don't think I had my steel hot enough, right? I think I was forging a bit uh, below the temperature. So, and ended up, after the knife was uh, all said and done, uh, I broke the knife, so I'm not going to post pictures or that thing. I broke it. I don't know if my grain structure was too coarse because of my lower did you normalize it? temperatures. Oh, I did. I did. Uh, also, I should have tempered for longer, right? I only did one temper cycle. I said, let me try it and see what I can do with it. And, uh, you know, I snapped it. Uh, but lesson learned, lesson learned. So next time I will do the same process with the same steel. Uh, start over. Uh, I'm probably gonna cut uh, a four-inch piece of that chisel instead of three. Gives me a bit more leeway and uh, leave it a, a thicker piece of steel. Um, I ended up after I clean up all the uh, the forging and scales and everything and I. I don't have a surface grinder, but I was able to bring it to, you know, fairly even uh, thickness. I think I had left about uh, four millimeters, uh, which is pretty good, uh, you know, piece of steel, but it's not my preferred. You know, I like around six mils. Gives me a lot more defined uh, plunge lines. Uh, but still, like I said, uh, you know, I was able to make a knife. I finished it. It looks good. I had my plunge lines. I had my ricasso. I had my shoulders done for the tang and the guard. Uh, but mistakes were made, and I paid with a broken knife. So, you know, that's I where have I some, stand right now. I was going to say, I have so, some uh, scrap 8670 that you can beat on. you got a Quarter lot of thick. scrap 8670. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah. going to send like you a, I'm gonna send you a piece yeah. about like this just so you can beat on it. Tell me how nice it was to uh, beat on a piece of finished yeah. steel. So the, th the thing with forging, right, like I was saying the last time we, we, you know, we talked about it, I really don't want to take a, a nice, perfect steel and beat on it. I want to take something that is off shape. 
I even made a small, uh, <laughs> uh, I even made a small kiridashi. Yeah, yeah, I even made a small kiridashi out of a ball joint just to see if I could do it. I have it. It's in the shop. You know, I took a ball joint out of a car that I, you know, coincidentally I failed inspection, you know. And I took the ball joint. The ball joint is... <laughs> it failed because it <laughs> actually failed. Let's get that. <laughs> yeah, it failed because it was missing. <laughs> Did you know you've got a missing ball and, joint? Uh, I beat a knife out of that little ball joint, right? A small kiridashi. You know, I have it. Um, I'll keep that one in a corner somewhere. Uh, will not be seen in public. Well, I, I've got like something for you, Otis, here. The, the next time you, you forge that... That chisel. I'm assuming it was like an air chisel or a chisel that you would use on a machinery. I uh, have no idea. It's old and rusted. Yeah. And so, it hardened up really good on pinto sauce. It was super, super hard. No, normalize it before you start forging. So whenever you take this next one, uh, do grain refinement or normalizing cycles before you start the forging process and uh, relieve the stresses out of it from its existing life so it's it's past life take that out of okay. it and uh so do your normal do a cycle of normalizing like three and then uh, three just two. do do like a do like a, a 16 1650 and then like a 1400 and uh do those two erase its past and then start forging it and it'll make your life a lot easier and then just remember forge it if you're trying to move the material, keep it hot. If you're just trying to flatten or correct, you can have that, you know, in a red or almost a gray. If you're just trying to to smooth, you don't have to worry about having it glowing hot just to smooth. Yeah. Uh, but next yeah. Thing, next thing I'm going to say is having good forging hammers makes a whole lot of difference. Yeah, I met that's... this guy. I met this guy through another guy. His name is Paul Beisler. Let me send him a shout out, okay? If you need a good forging hammers, look him up on Facebook. Paul Beisler, okay? B E I S L E R. Beisler. Um, he made me, and I went to his shop and I, was, I, and I watched him make me the hammer, right? The first hammer he made me was a flat with a cross pin. I had no idea what I was looking for, so okay, make me a, a hammer that is most popular. He made me that one, you know. I paid him a hundred dollars, and I got to watch him make the hammer. Right after, you know, I, I, you know, I flattened up a couple of uh, coil springs. Okay, I need something different. This is moving, but it's not enough. So I talked to him again. This time, he made me a rounding hammer with a straight pin. Now, the reason I chose a straight pin is that I'm hitting like I'm hitting a piece of wood with a tomahawk, yep. right? A little, little axe, little hatchet. And that thing moves steel like nobody's business. I'm That's telling my you, next that hammer. straight pin, you know, every time you hit it, it bites deep and it pushes steel away. You can see that thing stretching out right in front of your eyes. And then you flip it around with a rounding hammer for the next side, do the same thing, kind of evens it out. You know, I was impressed as to how quick, quickly I could uh, flatten that three-inch piece of steel into a nine-inch bar. Oh, yeah, that's pretty neat. You know? I'm looking up here. So you, yeah. instead of having the uh, um, horizontal, it's a vertical straight. Yeah, yeah that's cool. 
It's an amazing hammer. That's my next one that I that yeah, I want to do. Yeah, look him up. Look him up on uh, on, on Facebook. Um, uh, Paul Beisler, you know, is is a hundred dollars for the hammer. He's awesome hammer, and I got to watch him make it. That's amazing price. I was going to say it too. is. Yeah, we'll have to look yes. him up. Put him in the show notes. Yes. Send me his yes. uh, contact information. We'll set it in the show notes. Yeah, he was on our chat group, but he said, uh, oh, I had to leave because of my work. So, you know, he left yeah. our, our chat. Uh, but uh, look him up, we'll Paul Beisler. Uh, well, what I know. would say then, with all that being said, that's a show. We got to go. Got to go find Paul Beisler. Tell him what you want. He'll ship it right to your house. And we will see you on the next episode of the Knives Templars. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. All right. That's a good one, guys. It was, but it was good. It was good. It wasn't totally. Was We've talked this long before, but we had a lot to talk about. It was. It flowed. I always like it when we have shows that do this. And I'm not gonna. I'm knocking on wood here. Um, everybody's like 99% uploaded. Nobody got disconnected. The only blurps we had tonight were with uh, the uh, provider, and that was just for a few seconds. I mean, Don sounds like uh, uh, a Price Is Right announcer tonight. On on. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> that man can do some Kmart blue light specials, Kmart shoppers for the next 15 minutes over in the jewelry department. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's lining up. It's looking good. Good number of guys, too. Hey, Otis here. Uh, continue on the uh, little forging thing right now mm-hmm. off the show, right? Uh, I've been thinking, you know, I'm going to flatten a couple of uh, uh chisels <laughs> making you know make me a few more bars and see how i you know how i fare uh my next step i have been uh drawing up in my head some canister mm. damascus and i that one i know i can do by hammer i don't need a press i Correct. don't need uh a power why don't you need a press with like that this. if i can flatten if i can flatten a chisel consistently to a, a, a the, the the length Width and thickness that I that I like to make my knives. You're gonna be seeing something. So nice so why don't you? Pretty soon. Everything's contained. Everything's contained yeah. in the canister, as yep. opposed to uh, whenever you're doing like multi-layer stacks yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, it's a pain in the butt because you have to constantly make sure you don't get oxidation in between the layers or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's it's just a pain, and you uh, you sacrifice material in the welds for one but besides that if you're if you're just going to be forging by hand it's a lot easier with the canister because you can just get it super friggin' hot and beat the heck out of it fill it full of bearings and metal dust Uh, i um and here's a wide out here's a a, a design that i came up with (laughs) and uh, maybe eric can give me a a a good idea as if it is uh good or not right when you have your little canister there i was thinking put in the bottom you know the, the the first half uh normal size ball bearings in there that's what i have a lot of those ball bearings uh make everything even with the uh, some 1095 powder mm. right mm-hmm. in the middle i have some ball bearings that are about uh half inch round put those in the middle you know three or four of those right in the middle 
finish filling that up with uh, 1095 powder. Finish the rest of it with the normal size ball bearings again, 1095 powder. Cap it, right? So yeah. when you stretch it out, the, you know, both ends, you're going to have smaller dots and those big old uh, globs in so, the middle. So you definitely need to watch uh, Fire Creek Forge. Uh, he's done mm-hmm. so many styles of ball bearing uh, canister builds. He's done things where he's made his own blades, or he's he's went and, uh, like made the canister to where it was actually set up as a, a sheet of steel, and then he used a piece of steel and bent it to the outline of the blade that he wanted, and then he put the bearings in the center of that. And it was just one layer of bearings as opposed to That'd a big cool. canister because you don't yeah. have to make a big square, you know, cube canister. You can make a canister that's only, uh, you know, half one an inch, inch tall I wonder by, how they were made. by X amount of length long. Uh, hmm. You can do that. That way you don't have to forge near as long. Um, so... Like whenever I've I do, seen those. it looks like raindrops, right? Yeah. Yes, well. it looks like raindrops. Um, but yeah, you don't have to make this huge, massive can. Uh, you can make a wider, thinner can. You can make your own can too. That's what I do whenever make I make it longer. Yeah. So whenever I'm doing uh, some of my like crazier things, like whenever I made that uh, the copper Gaiuto, the K-tip Gaiuto chef's knife for the YouTube Makers Challenge. And has all the copper in it, and I did it with like the, I did mild steel bars, and then yeah. layered copper, and then I had the actual fifteen and twenty in the center, but it made it look like it had like crazy clouds, mm. in it, uh, inside the copper. That was I just made my own can, and you can easily do it. Some people what they'll do is they'll just take, uh, two pieces of angle iron, and they'll just cut the height off of, two of them. And then just, you know, hook them together and yeah. then cap the ends and boom, you got yourself a can. Whatever what do you, uh, size. What do you use uh, to keep the steel from sticking to the, uh, to the can? So white a lot of people use some... white out, white spray paint. Spray paint it's, paint? Got, it's got the same exact stuff in it as white out. So white spray paint's the easiest one. And again, if you watch the Fire Creek Forge, you'll see him actually do that white spray paint in it so you can just spray it shh, let it drip out you know yeah, whatever and then white. start feeling it just doesn't you matter whatever dry. it is you have to let it dry eric yeah yes yep uh i've seen i've i don't know how good that would be but i've seen a couple of times where they use those um stainless steel foil yeah they make a, a coat inside yep. but would that stretch as you're stretching the can yeah, it'll stretch, but the the issue with that is you get, um, it, it's if you spray paint it, it's coats everything on the, okay. the inside of that canister. If you put the little foil sleeves, you're hoping that you can keep them spread out while you're trying to fill it and do mm, all that stuff, okay. and it's I just a you. pain in the ass. Yeah, um, I guess so. You yeah. said ass when on I'm, a family friendly podcast. To, to, yeah. <laughs> I did too. When I'm ready to move, when I'm ready to move into that, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will come and talk to you. Uh, yeah. Because, if, like I said, forging, 
for no, you're good, no problem. Uh, forging, my wife just came in. Uh, forging, I don't want to start with a, a, a flat stock of a W2 and I'll, I'll beat it into a knife and to, 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 you know, it's perfect steel. I, like I said, I, I hate the idea of doing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I'm no, forging, like I said, I want, I want some odd shape, uh, 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 something like, you know, the, like an y'all, y'all saw, Y'all saw how crazy right. this piece mm-hmm. was, right? Yeah. Like this, this section that became the tang was two and a half inches wide. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it, and it was like I a crazy a, weird shape too. I have a bunch. I have a, I, I put a, I put an, uh, an APB on uh, uh, leaf springs and my next door neighbor, he brought me two sets of, uh, from, from trucks, you know, you know, I, I have some, some, some pieces there that is, you know, three quarters of an inch thick. I wish so, I mean, see it. <laughs> I won't be able to grind yeah. that out. So, so I don't I'm, know if it'll I'm, show I'm up on camera, that. but you can see these little lines yeah. that run through here. Oh, yeah, I see them. So that's what happens whenever you pinch the steel that much. You actually change the whole flow the metal, of yeah. the actual steel, and you'll see that going through uh mm. as you're forging and uh it, it looks really cool because you're you're seeing the 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 flow of the actual steel come together and then go back into the tang and mm. uh it's just it looks really cool in the process now did you put and, did, did you put your maker's mark in that blade nope you're going to yeah so i've got new uh maker's marks uh coming that'll be on the spine oh okay Cool. I had to get them. Uh, yeah. I had to get them laser cut, but it'll have the the TRE uh, on there, uh-huh. and all of these uh, forged to finish knives will have the the it on the spine. You'll the still be using your old logo on other knives, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, these good, uh, good, good, good. trying to get that stuff to etch, like the ones that have the forge scale on them. Oh, and you got the different Dude. layers. The different the surface yeah. is not completely flat yeah. either. No, hey it guys, does not etch right. Hey guys, our wives are going to be looking for us here soon. So we can keep talking, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and hit the record button and we are gone.